Welcome to Lack of Focus, an X-Wing Miniatures Game podcast, brought to you by Dice 8 Productions. Hello everyone, welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, episode 85. OMG, AMG, I am your host, Ed Horn, and alongside me tonight, one Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Good, how you doing, Ed? Outstanding. And of course, our producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Good, thanks, Ed. All right, so we are a hot 90 minutes away from the AMG presentation on Twitch discussing X-Wing, OP, new ships, new points, all of that fun stuff. And we have done zero, and I do mean zero, pregame talk about this. We've been chatting a little bit uh, in our private chat, but beyond that, we wanted to get our hot takes and some of the stuff, because, oh boy, did AMG launch a lot of interesting stuff uh, for what's upcoming in X-Wing. And I'm really excited to talk about some of these these points. But before we dive into that, let's do a really brief uh, what you've been doing lately in gaming flight deck kind of thing. So, Sean, I will lead in with you first. What have you been doing lately, my friend? Uh, just setting up my, or continuing to set up my office slash uh, hobby area. Um, still a ways to go, but no gaming this week. Um, it's been, with class starting and everything else, it's just been hectic. So um, pretty much mine is going to be a very short flight deck. Um, and I did find a copy, finally, of Shadows Over Camelot, so I'm happy Yay! about that. It only cost an arm, not an arm and a leg, so that's that's a good thing. Um, but other than that, nothing gaming this week. Um, just been pretty much too busy, and we didn't have a chance to get our you know Monday in for D and D. So yeah, and that's a shame too because uh, there are conditions that have arose that uh, we're going to have to have the D and D group on hiatus uh, at least until November. So. But we've got, palate, we've got some palate cleansing stuff. I'll talk about that in mine. Um, it, it'll be th- it'll be through November, so pretty much you're looking at December is probably the first first time we'll be able to go again. Oh, maybe Chris will have all of them edited by then. <laughs> Friendly, loving jab. That's all it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right, Chris. What have you been up to lately, my friend? Oh man. <laughs> okay, this 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 is a donor. This is a donor section. Before we bring it back up, you know, we've got to make an emotional roller coaster. So, well, I mean, it's emotional roller coaster. Assuming you care about my wife, in which case, if not, this is the most self self indulgent carousel ride you guys have ever been on. But it's been like that for the last four years. Where have you been, guys? Come on. Right, exactly. If you don't uh, know that by now. <laughs> um. So what the hell? So we we recorded ages ago. But I say we. I'm I recorded me, not you. So we did. We did a show. Yeah, another. So, you know, we figured out what it is. The curse is is when we record only X Wing conversation. There is some sort of glitch in the matrix that says no. This show's not allowed to talk about X Wing. Yeah, you're not an X Wing show. What are you thinking? And the Omnissiah eliminates that podcast recorded gold information gone. So we've had two, not one, but two in recent memory of fantastic yeah. shows that I thought we did that have gone by the uh, into the warp, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so we did that. So I played some games of X-Wing. Um, 
I'm not going to bore too much with details on that, but I will say that I had to go onto Amazon and order myself a second Ty Baron so that I can run um, Kylo, Von Reg, and Hollow. Because I'm determined to make Kylo. I'm still on the <laughs> Kylo train. I want to win. And given what was announced today, I've not got long left, you know? Oh, well, if we get a little bit later into the episode, I think that Kylo list might become a little bit higher up on the meta lately. I'll, and I'll, I'll explain my thoughts on that later. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I had, I was, like having to order it off Amazon because we just can't get it. So I was a bit sad. But that arrived today. Yeah. But, um, so, I got a phone call from a construction company from when the dishwasher leaked to say that they were going to be starting construction and asking me if we were going to be in the house or not. And I was like, well, you you need to tell me, because the last time you spoke to us, you said, we may have to move out. That, that, that seems like something where you will give me the extra information I need to proceed with that. Like, I mean, so then it was like, okay, so we're starting on the 8th. Obviously, we're recording on the 9th. And I'm like, okay, all right, so do we need to move out or not? So then I, we had to get in, t- in touch with insurance company. The work scheduled to be finished on Monday. In the time that all of this was happening, the UK changed the rules for Canada, which means that we are now travelling back to the UK on the 15th. So I'm currently living in a hotel, like, five minutes drive away from the house. Um, well, I'm, I'm in the house recording right now. There's just no floor upstairs. We can't use the kitchen or anything. Um, Do a nice little like, balance act before you get to the sink. It's just... Ugh. But obviously, we've got to do all of that until Monday because we're doing it over a weekend. We're not working over a weekend, obviously. Obviously. They just wanted to make sure we were maximum inconvenience so that, theoretically, we move back in on the Monday night... Then on Tuesday, I have to simultaneously unpack whilst packing to go to the UK. <laughs> then we go to the UK. Um, we land, we leave at 6pm on the um, Wednesday night. Land at, at like lunchtime on, fr- on Thursday morning, like lunchtime Thursday-ish. Then apparently yeah, customs... <laughs> Customs now takes like four hours or whatever with all the COVID stuff. Oh yeah, we've got to go and sort out COVID tests before we go. Then we've got to go for a COVID test after we've landed. Um, I'm just like, oh. I said to Jill, it's like, I feel just mega stressed. But I feel like I'm also the appropriate amount of stress for everything that's going on. So it doesn't feel like it's bothering me. <laughs> all right. No, sometimes I get I get stressed about stuff, and I'm like, I probably am difficult to be around. You know, I'm like not not a nice person all the time when I don't have my my game face on for you guys. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been interesting. Checking into a hotel was probably the last moment of like Jesus. Um, Evie was in daycare, so I, I ha- we were only allowed to check in from 3 o'clock, so I basically just sat in the basement with the dogs while they were all upstairs working. Um, and I went to move into a hotel, got there, and I grabbed my tangerine card to pay, 
because I might as well pay on a cashback credit card because the insurance are exactly. paying for it anyway. Um, but I hadn't grabbed my Tangerine credit card. I grabbed a Tangerine debit card. So then I had to drive back. I was like, can I give you a different card, but then you just charge a different one? Because I had to do like multiple runs anyway. The guy was like, no, I can only do the one card. I'm like, right, okay. So I have to, I have to go. So then we came back, got the credit card, drove back down. I've already transferred the money onto the card to pay for it and everything. Um, and it declines. Like $1,500. Yeah, it was also more than they told us it was going to be because they didn't tell us about the damage deposit and everything. So I had to transfer Jeez. more. Um, but it declined. Unlocked my card. Oh my god! So that like the dogs are in the car, like, the time is ticking down for when I have to have picked Evie up as well. And I'm like, so I'm on the phone to Tangerine and like the automated service is like, would you like to check your balance? Press one. <laughs> would you like to check your balance using a different number? Press. Too. And that's not going to work when I truncate the silence. This is going to be a lame stroke, but it was a really long pause. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I, I know that generally one of the buttons is going to be like just put me through to a human being. So I was like trying pound, I was trying star, trying zero at different points to see if I could just short circuit to get to speak to someone. Finally got through to the, uh, we'll put you through to a customer service representative. The wait time is 30 minutes. Oh my God. I'm like, Jesus um, So I, I finally got that sorted, got the dogs uh, and got all of dogs, all of the food from the house because we, we got a suite so that we can like cook and everything so we're not eating and not him to buy takeout and everything because we have food in the house because we weren't planning on moving out because they didn't yes. tell us we need. Yeah, um, that wasn't a thing I was planning on doing 30, yeah. 36 hours ago. Yeah, so um, got all of that done, got back, picked TV up, hadn't packed all of her stuff because that I was going to drop the dogs off, come back, do that, pick her up, go down. So I, I, I let her help me pack, which was a case of like, I want to take this Barbie. Okay, put it in the case. I'll get clothes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll get the important stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so doing all of that stuff. So that was just a massive stress. Uh, not a good day. But I um, I did. Um, I started. I, I came back to the house once I'd finished settled down with Eaton and grabbed some sprues, some necromunda terrain, and I just sat. What I watched Infinity War with my headphones on after Jill reminded me that it was loud. Um, so I watched Infinity War and built Necromunda Terrain. So that's going to be my project for all whilst all of this bullshit is going on to paint a Necromunda Zone Mortalis. So there's two ways of playing Necromunda there's like tiles with a layout on it, and then you put effectively walls on it, and that's Zone Mortalis, which is like effectively two-dimensional you could play it with just cardboard terrain laid flat kind of thing like x-wing is a two-dimensional game or you can play uh sector mechanicus i think or something like that where it's the 3d you can fall off ledges and stuff so because i'm a, a bit of a boomer and haven't played new neck well, i now had have played but hadn't played necromunda at all i was going i'm just going to learn 2d first because it seems like it's less 
so that's one of the games I've never really learned how to play. Like I've seen, like there's a the more that I've been spending up at the game store, I've been seeing a lot of people playing that, and I've been seeing a lot of people playing Killzone or yeah, Kill Team. Kill Team. Uh, I can now that I've played two games of Necromunda, which I was gonna. It lets me segue. Um, but I played two games now with my slave Ogryn gang, and I really like it. All right, we're playing a, we've got an eight-player campaign going on. So I challenged my friend who's playing Goliaths, um, and I was like, I will challenge you for the fighting pit, because the slave Ogryns are in the Goliath book as well, so we both get benefits from having this territory. Um so you roll up your mission, and the mission was a sneak attack. So my Ogryn gang is sneaking up on these Goliaths at the base, and I'm going to try and defile his holy relic. So I get to take my full gang of five Ogryns. That's every model in my gang. He gets to take a random five models from his gang list. and But they're on sentry duty and don't get to act until they've spotted one of my sneaky ninja Ogryns. <laughs> um so like just so you if you're not aware of what an ogryn is it's like a big ogre but the slave ogryns instead of having an arm might have a chainsaw for an arm and stuff like that because they have industrial tools like mounted on them so definitely not sneaky ninjas definitely uh, not but, but you could have seen them painted you you were painting them on. You could go and check out the stream. You could have seen yeah. him painting them. I've updated new pictures, which we'll get to, um, in the painting channel. But they, uh, I got off playing like my tactics cards, which is a new fun addition, which didn't used to happen in old Necromunda. Um, but like, lets you double your movement instead of like rolling a dice for your charge range. So I got like a guaranteed charge off, and like one of my arguments, like a ninja clubbed the back of his Goliath skull in with a with a spanner. <laughs> um, and then light-footedly darted back behind cover so no one could see him. But it was just like, you randomly roll. So I activate a person, and then you randomly roll for the, the sentry. So you draw one of the five cards for the five different people who are on sentry duty, and that's the person who activates. Then you roll off. Whoever gets the highest gets to move them. So I beat Bill in near enough every roll for where the sentries went. So they just funneled into a corridor miles away from where I was, leaving me a nice open path to a relic. And I was like, this is all going great. I clubbed the guy who was in my way, smashed his skull in, took like straight, uh, straight to out of action, not no longer taking part in the game. And then I was like, I felt really bad. This is like, it's going too well. And I was like, well, I do have one model armed with a gun, and it's a rapid-fire three gun. And the way rapid-fire works is that you roll to hit, and if you hit, you do a number of hits equal to the numbers you roll on the rapid-fire dice. So I could potentially do nine hits. Unfortunately, the gun is reckless, which means that you don't get to pick your target. You shoot it and distribute the hits to everyone within range. As we'd previously mentioned, I got to move all of Bill's gang. So, so the only people in range of a gun were three of his fighters. So this is too good. So my first action, I pop out around the corner, open up with my arc welding, blasting, like storm welder cannon thing. I'm like, I'm going to roll all three rapid fire dice. And I roll, 
and one of them comes up a jam, and then I look at what the rules for unstable are and go, oh, my model's dead. And I missed. And then we looked up the rules for firing a ranged weapon, and that alerts the sentries. So all of his gang gets to be his to control now. So I was like, this should have probably been an action I did last, not first in round two. Because he'd also had his reinforcements turn up, so it's now a fair and even fight, and I've just killed one of my own guys, who's worth like twice as many as his. And I was like, oh, this is swung somewhat. So effectively, back and forth, um, his champion guy with two giant brutalizing chain axes was just hacking through my Ogrins, whilst my lobotomized servitor with the rock saw was um, charged his leader in the back and ripped him. He got the permanent injury, so he lost an eye. I chainsawed one of his eyes out in the first game of the campaign. Nice. Um, like my worst guy against his gang leader. Uh, then he shot that guy with a grenade launcher for revenge. And I was like, whatever, flesh wound, it's fine. Uh, so I keep on fighting. The guy who shot me then runs away. Um, I just panicked off the table because people started dying. Um, <laughs> so then I charged someone else and saw them uh, as well. And I'm like, yes, it's going really well. But like, attrition starts going. The game ended with my leader in base contact with the relic, but it's a double action to defile it. So I'm, he's like, he stood there, he's got his, his, his cock out, cock in hand, ready to piss Wait. all over his relic. Nope. And then the one person left on Bill's side of the table is down, fails his injury roll and dies, which ends the game. Aww. So we then check win conditions, and if the relic's defiled, I win. If it's not defiled, it it he if Bill was still on the table, he would have won. But because I was still on the table and he wasn't, but it was not defiled, it was a draw. So uh, so I, I did pee on it, but no one saw. I swear I did. I promise I did. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. Was like one of like nah, why? Oh, I was so close. Um, the one but, roll you're making, you fail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, by killing everyone, I couldn't win. Um, big sad. But Bill took... So I have a five Ogryn gang. Bill took four of my Ogryns out of action, all of which rolled injuries to miss the next game. Ooh. So um, we go to the post-battle sequence, and we only... Because I didn't win, I didn't get the fighting pit. And the reason I wanted the fighting pit was because I get to hire some free fighters from it to join my gang, to bulk my numbers up. I couldn't do that anymore, and I'm only, I've only got my boss left. And then that makes you, the next game a little bit more difficult, just yeah, a little. Uh, just so you're aware, so you can't voluntarily bottle until a situation would allow you to take a bottle test, which would be one of my fighters getting shot and going out of action. So I can't even bottle my boss out. I just have to stand there and let him get shot until he goes down. But then I rolled on my settlement. And normally, if you roll 2d6, if you roll a single 6, you can hire a juve. If you roll a double 6, you can hire a ganger. Ogrins don't have juves. So I, I, if I roll a 6, it doesn't mean anything. But I only went and rolled the double 6. So I got Aww. myself a free Ogrin. So I was like, yeah, he's got a friend to go and fight with him. So I hired my, my extra Ogrin. Um, 
gave him some garbage weapons because obviously I had no money, but I'm like, I don't care. It's an extra body. Yeah, and it's then, it's another warm body to like soak up bullets. Yeah. And in the next game, I played against a not new player who was running Escher. And it was just going to be a quick game to basically try and reset the four fighters who were down. Effectively, he's just getting a free win out of it, which is going to get him a territory that he wants and the benefits of winning. And it gets me reset, ready to have a real game. Well, I looked through my tactics cards because this mission let me pick them. And one of them was that I got to be, um, I got to infiltrate my Ogryn. So I was like, well, okay, I can be, I can start within six inches of you. And if I get to go first, I can just charge you. Yep. And like, once my overboss is in combat, I mean, that feels like it should be a free win. Like, you've only got five, I've only got two, but I mean, we should be all right. Uh, so I infiltrate him. Lose the roll for priority. He pops out and shoots me. I shrug off everything but get knocked over. And I stand up and throw a grenade and it hits perfectly. I've got all three of his guys who were shooting at me under a template. I fail to wound all of them. Aww. Then I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, Ed. Ed, it's fine. So I've still got another another Ogryn to go who charges the Gangaroo shot at him and missed. And I, I fail to kill her in combat. So I'm like, okay. Next turn. Same thing happens. I, I don't win priority, so I get shot again, get knocked over, so I can't charge. So and I'm, like, I'm stood there. I'm, okay, well, it is what it is. I, I Basically, I leave him down for as long as I can so I can get up, because if I activate him first and stand back up, he just knocks me back down, and it just goes back and forth. So yeah. I need to go last so I can stand up, and then if I win priority, I get a charge. Finally got the charge. Ran into combat. I just got its giant two-handed axe. It looks sweet. I converted the axe and everything. Um, and then I, I look at the rules for a two-handed axe and realize what a mistake to make. It's Uh-oh. minus one on my to hit rolls. Yep. And Makes sense. I, um, it gives me plus two strength, but doesn't have any armor save modifiers. And it's unwieldy, so it takes up two weapon swats and two hands to use. Mm-hmm. So I only get three attacks, uh, only four attacks on the charge. Instead of like other people were rolling like eight attacks, and I'm like, oh, four attacks seems a little bit crap now. Yeah, I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> yeah, like four attacks felt good when I made like, when I didn't really know what what anything was. But when you've just been rolling like eight attacks at me, this feels bad. Um. So then I looked into it a little bit more, and um, Ogrins have a special rule where normally the normal game rules are you can have multiple weapon sets. So you could have a range set up for your gang leader, you can have a combat set up, and then you just pick which version you're going to take into a battle. Ogrins are stupid and become attached to their weapons. So you can only <laughs> have, a, have one weapon set, and you can't, you can't put it down. I can't just add the weapon to a stash and buy him a new weapon. Huh. And this is my gang leader, so the only way to fix this would be to retire him. Yep. Which means that my champion becomes my gang leader. And I don't I can't I don't get anything for retiring him. So I'm like, oh I retire the gang and start again. So what I actually did was go to the arbitrator and say, um, 
because I'm a moron and have never played Necromunda before, I thought this weapon looked cool, having glued it to my model and played a game with it. It is not cool. It is entirely useless because it like because it takes up two two slots. It's not like I could just put it on his back and give him two different hand weapons. Right. He has to. I can only carry it because it takes up two of my weapon slots. So I could I could use a different one-handed weapon, but I could never get dual wielding bonuses anymore. Um, and it, it, people are like, oh well, what about if you t- if you upgrade to this skill later on? It's like you know, this feels like throwing good money after bad. Yep, right, that's exactly so, what it sounds like. Yeah, but like he was like, yeah, you're a moron. Do what you want. It's fine. So I <laughs> I went. I bought another box of Orgrins because because I'm a moron. I threw away all of my bits after I built the gang. So I had to buy another box of Ogrins. Um, got two og- so I took the two Augmetic Fists off it. And um, I ripped the, ripped the hands off my boss, put the new hands that I wanted him to have. So he's now got two Power Fists, effectively, which are paired weapons. So on the charge, he gets double his normal number of attacks. So six attacks on the charge plus one for being double-armed, plus one for charging. So I now have eight attacks as well. So I'm like, yay, yay. competence. So it sounds to me like it would be it would behoove you to magnetize some of those as far as the weapon options. Would you agree uh, with you that? Could, you could do. I, this, because I did a bunch of conversions on them, it made it really, really hard. No, I know. Um, and I was saying, like, look, yeah, I made him because I thought he'd look cool with this axe, but I'm going to have no fun playing this Right, I already yep. said that my expectation was that the Slave Ogryn Gang is going to be relatively one-dimensional because it's like an extreme of an extreme. Like, the Goliaths have a combat gang, and this is a sub-gang within the book. So I, I, ca- I get one ranged weapon option, and it's the one that just kills me. Yeah. Um... Half of the weapon list is augmetic weapons, which you can only take when you buy them because it's literally they have a limb replaced with this weapon. So you can't change it for the game. You can't buy buy him a knife and then upgrade him. So hmm. you, you have to have the cash to buy the Ogryn and the weapon at the same time. So like they're very one-dimensional in how it goes. Interesting. So I was like, this would be fun for one campaign and then I'll do a real gang afterwards. But yeah, I was gonna I say, want... it sounds like maybe you picked the wrong gang. Oh, I didn't. I didn't pick the wrong gang because I picked it because the models looked awesome and I wanted to paint it. This was a mm-hmm. painting project, not a gaming project. That's but fair. That's I have fair. them. I have them done. So I was like, I'll get them on the table. And we have one of our so there's six house gangs from Necromunda. Um, and there's one person playing all all six of those. There's one person playing the Arbites, which is the space police. Mm-hmm. So then, if I wanted to play something different, it leaves me Gene Stealer Cult, um, Corpse Grinders, or the Ogrins. So I'm like, you know what, I'll do the Ogrins because I already have them. Yeah, and, I, and then just kind of lesson learned from model building and go from there. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think he still looks cool. Like, I think if I'd have posed him where he was holding the axe in both hands... I think it would have been a hurt, but I couldn't get the pose down. So it was only holding, only holding the axe up on his shoulder anyway. So I liked it, but it wasn't the original pose I wanted, so I wasn't too bothered. And it looks, I think it looks all right with his two fists now. Did I pose it? it? 
Was this yeah, so, did you post? Sep- September 8th, if you scroll up to the top, it's a big yellow dude with two big red hands. Big yellow hands. Oh, there, there we go. So that's Red, the leader of the Red Cogs. That's good. I like that. Yeah. But I I I painted them so I ripped ripped the arms off, chopped off where the hands were, put these ones on, green stuffed around to make it look like there's an underglove on them. And then like dry brushed them like with grey seer, like two coats of grey seer, then dry brushed them white and then did all the contrasting. But I got them done in in the day. So that was, it was good. I'm glad it's done. And then the accent I had used. Oh yeah, because now I get to play again on Saturday and smash someone with eight attacks in the face. Heck Easy. yeah. But the axe did get recycled onto Whiskers, who was my uh, guy who got hired for free. So he has an axe instead of a club. So good, good. Um, so yeah, so I've got X-Wing tomorrow. Um, so I'll probably try my Von Reg, Kylo, and Hollow because I got the extra Baron, and tomorrow will probably be my last chance to use it. Probably. Um, we'll get there. <laughs> I'm playing Necromander on Saturday. And then Sunday I'm running a fundraising tournament for a club so we can pay for a key rental. So I'm just give, giving away a bunch of the... Um, the excess prize support I've got, so I think I've got some like regional dice that I'll give away for that. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. I'm not sure what list I'm going to take for that, but I did say that we're going to use some of the rules that were announced from AMG. Mm, little foreshadowing there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So is. I'll try to I'll try to run down my. Are you done? By the way, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. To I am. Up. Yeah. I mean, there's been other bits but that's the main things Necromunda is a fun game Ed should try it um, give it, it it's a, a game that's going to stop me from playing 40k because it does scratch that itch and plays a lot quicker so we'll see we'll see oh, well, all I can say is welcome back Richard Sue <laughs> with that detailed flight deck well, that's good <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan it's me talking about me Sean that's right that's what the people <laughs> pay for because because we're, we're pseudo live because this is going to go live tomorrow. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are playing uh, in Thursday night football tonight to open off the NFL season. Of course, Bob Randall, uh, our friend Major Juggler, texted me. Of course, he said that you know uh, old Tom Brady is not in uh, New England anymore. So he and I are lamenting the fact that Tom Brady is throwing touchdowns to Antonio Brown, former Steeler. So on that note, I'm going to try to sum mine up really did really quick. Did you see Bob move to? Um, yeah, did you uh, see the Bob. You, did you see who Bob works for? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of nice to know someone in the in the know in the in the industry. Yeah. Um. Anyway, anyway. All right. So uh, I'm gonna try to sum mine up because I genuinely, with the miscast of a show, don't know how much of my previous one got into, uh, got out there. So I'm just gonna kind of try to sum up the last couple of weeks really, really quick. Um. My son, whenever he started playing 40k, was probably eight or nine years old. Uh, had picked orcs because he played Dawn of War 2, thought they were funny, they were enjoyable, really does still like the lore, but came to an epiphany as we've been getting, I mean, he's been getting really, really into 40k. Like, we've had long, long discussions, like, well past where I should have gone to bed discussions, uh, discussing list, rules, how to how to do things. Uh, comes to an epiphany as the new orc codex comes out for 40k, as he's reading through it, as we 
acquired a copy uh, of this book, um, reads the book and goes, this, this army isn't for me. It, it's not my play style. It, it, it doesn't do any of the things that I want to do on the table. So he makes his first grown-up decision uh, in his hobby and career and decides that he wants to pick a new army. So he spent a lot of time reading some fluff, reading some stories, and he settled on Death Guard. So because he's an idiot for a father, oh, you want to go start Death Card? That's cool. Off to, because our local game store never, ever has anything in stock. Um, that's a gripe I'll get to later. Um, off to, I've got uh, a codex on the way coming in. I've got, oh, the combat patrol coming in. Gabe ran out and spent money on his own money for uh, a blight hauler. Uh, this past week, <laughs> I went out and bought a plague burst crawler for him. So slowly but surely, we went from a few weeks ago not having any Death Guard in the house to having almost a full 1250-point army, getting damn near close to a 1500-point army in the house. Gabe's currently upstairs right now, as we speak, painting more models. Uh, he's got most of his Poxwalkers painted. He's got his one of his Plague Burst Crawlers uh, he's working on right now. He's got his Mythetic uh, Blight Hauler fully painted and based. Um... So we've been I so basically my gaming I didn't get a chance to get to the game store to play. I got to get to the game store to hang out um because we had a 4-day week uh this week with the um the holiday and my wife was still out the week before. I didn't get a chance to get any games in at the game store the last 2 weeks. Uh, I've been playing plenty here and getting my ass kicked by Death Guard over the last couple of weeks. Um but Gabe's kind of finished up on his list and that's what he's going to focus on. The only other thing that I did get to accomplish finally finally was this plight of mine to try to find the right purple for my not emperor's children? Emperor's children. Um, I finally ended up. Um, I think it's Nagroth Knight. I think it is. It's supposed to be like the the knights. Oh, I forget who's it's supposed to be for the, their base code army. But it's a nice. So I tried the contrast paint. So like I, uh, so Chris had given us ideas of using um, some of the contrast paint, and I wanted to give it a try. I wanted to see what it was all about to use contrast paints. And the only purple I that I can believe I did tell you that using contrast on power armor was going to give you a bad experience doing it for your first time. Yep. And you were right. Uh, so uh, I tried doing shyish purple, which is a dark purple. Like if you look at it in the pot, it looks black. And if you just put it straight, even over a light gray primer, like I did, it looks black. Like, you have to kind of hold it under the light and kind of turn it a little and go, oh, yeah, it's got a little bit of a purple hue to it. But it didn't do what I needed it to do. It wasn't the color I wanted. So I had to go around. I had to actually go find another store. It's a little bit further away uh, to actually find the contrast medium because my second idea was to, okay, use Shai's purple, but do it in like a 50-50 mix so I can thin it out and get the color. And it was kind of okay, but it wasn't quite where I wanted to get. And then I finally ended up, um, I think it's Nagroth purple, I think is the color. Um, when did with the the darkest um a base paint that uh purple that uh games workshop makes and it's perfect it's exactly the color that i wanted it's exactly what i wanted to do and my normal paint style i'm not gonna lie i've i've been a competitive tabletop gamer for a really really long time so my paint styles have always kind of catered to that which is hey i need to get a 1500 point army painted for this event in three weeks what's the fastest way to get three colors Three color minimum and basing done. That has been my paint style over the the majority of my gaming time. But what I found when I started painting my Necrons is I've gotten better. Some of the paints have helped out. Some of the way that the like the new washes, contrast paints have made things a little bit easier. But overall, I've gotten better, and I've never really put a lot 
of effort into an arm. Not a lot. I've put a little. Here's your three color minimum. So basically, I, I know I've said this on the show before. My paint style in the past has been base coat, wash, um, maybe some highlights, base done. That's it. Gets the army done quick and dirty. I did not do that with these. I spent over the three-day weekend a combination of probably about eight hours on two Marines. Total. <laughs> so four hours per model. But the end result, I love. I absolutely love. that. Dark, I'm looking at them now because they're in the paint, they're in the paint uh, channel right now. I love that Angroth er, or the Martian Earth that's on there with a little bit of Angroth Earth over the for the wash. I even put tufts. I put tufts on models um, to have that look. There are highlights. You can I can look at it right now. There's highlights. I ended up highlighting with the um, Xerxes purple over top of it. Had some gold. Did a little bit of Angroth Earth over the over the 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 gold, and then went back and redid the highlights on those. I am very happy with the way that these two models turned out. And then, of course, I start thinking to myself, if it took me eight hours... Now, granted, you're still learning the paint scheme. You're still learning how to work with them. It took me eight hours to do two models. Maybe I speed that up to an two hours per model. Like, it's going to take me a really long time to paint them, the entire army, to that quality. But that's the that's what I'm giving myself to do. That's what, I'm, that's what I want to do. I think, it like, you've got... Two armies you're happy to play at the moment, is that right? Necrons oh, God, yeah, and, no. yeah. So it was they're, you're, they're you're not, fully yeah, you're not painting these because you need them done. No, I'm painting them because uh, I want to, yeah. yeah. So, like, I'd say just like do them literally one person at a time, spend two hours on a space marine, it doesn't matter, does it? Like, no, no, it doesn't. You're right, you'll find extra little flourishes and you like do a little bit more and like yeah if you get a sculpture you're not too keen on like whatever you know mm-hmm. but you'll get them done and uh, it's the opposite problem i had to do in that batch of 20 orcs where you're like it's just a grind this will feel like progress every time yeah exactly i 100 percent agree with that and, don't, and don't remember, some of the some of the stuff i did i did contrast me like i tried snake bite leather contrast for the first time oh god does that look good because I did it for like their belts and like the the holster for the pistols, and I really like the way that that came out. I did something I never thought I would do before. Um, I did the black Templar contrast paint over gray um, for the bolter and the chainsword. And contrast paint has this funny little thing where it likes to re- uh, sink into the recesses, but it also recedes from the edges. So uh, you've got it- a um, your mix is slightly off. Then I was a bit of oil on the model from either like release agent or um your fingers stuff like that so you've just got to get the balance right because it's because of the way it works it's not it shouldn't do that in a perfect world oh well i was going to compliment it because it did the little thing so i don't know if you're if you go into the painting channel and look at the shots from the back um, space Marines have this little gap between their armor where their knee bends. And it's yeah. one of the hardest things that I've always had painting because you have to go in and highlight those little ribs on that stuff. And I didn't have to do that. It was yeah. light gray underneath and I just black contrast over it. And then that gave me highlights and shadowing all in one. I was like, Ooh, that turned out perfect. So 
Overall, yeah, so I got some painting done. I really, really like my not Emperor's Children, Emperor's Children um, Primaris Marines because, you know, Bellasaurus Cole, he would never, ever use Trader Gene Seed uh, to make Primaris Marines. Bobby G told him not to do it, so he didn't do it. But I even, I, I the one thing that I've been, honestly, I have struggled with the most is naming them. Because it was really easy to name my my Astartes because I'm, you know, I'm from the greater Pittsburgh area. They were black Children and gold. Children of Vampire. Uh, Children of Emperor. Children of the Emperor would have been that I almost I almost went with something similar to that. Um, but all right. This is this is gonna be the 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 dad in me. The reason why they're purple isn't because well, purple's one of my favorite colors, but it's my daughter's my youngest daughter's favorite color. So I wanted to go with purple marines. And when I said to her, when I started working with the paint scheme, you know, what should I name these marines? And I started telling her about chapters, she's like, You should call them dragons. You should call them purple dragons. And I'm like, Well, purple dragons seems kind of so I need something a little different, and I went with Vorpal Dragons. So they are a Primaris-only chapter of the Vorpal Dragons. And unfortunately, I wanted to make sure I didn't catch another chapter that someone else had used, because there's so many chapters out there that have some uh, lexicon fluff to them. I wanted to make sure that they were unique. So two brothers of the Vorpal Dragons are in it. Now I'm going to see how much of a dumbass nerd I am. I ha- One of the things I wanted to do with the Sons of Steel is I wanted to go through and name all of them. So like on the back of their bases, you would know which, oh no, you killed brother, you killed Color Brutus, he's dead. Well, now I'm debating, do I go through, because I have the pen, I bought it specifically for this, to go in and write the names on the back of every Marine, so every Marine's, because there's a part of me, just from a fluff perspective, I want to start writing stories of the Vorpal Dragons, like, oh, that time they battled the demons and Brother and brother Brutus was the one to sever the head off of the Demon Prince kind of thing, um, like, save notes for that kind of stuff so I can actually write stories about the stuff that they've uh, they've run down. It's one of those things, like, as in, you, know, you think it sounds like a cool idea, but then you try to, like, oh, wow, I could actually do that. So am I going to go that far? I don't know. I'm debating it. I saw someone else who had, um, there's a place that you can put, uh, have nameplates made up. They're not, mm. I don't know if the, I don't know if they're. They um, do it a lot for Adeptus Titanicus. If you maybe that's like. what it is. Yeah. I don't know how to make those. I don't have to. Maybe I have to look into those because there, there's a part of me. The first of my handwriting's awful, and I feel like I'm going to ruin the model by having like my god awful handwriting on the back. But if I had like a little plate that I could put on the back there, I think I might do that. All right, so that's the end of it. Ed's 40K Corner has come to a close. Let's get into the meat of the show. The real reason why you've tuned into this one 24 hours after the uh, the events that AMG put on today. So in case you have been living under the rock in the last 24 hours, AMG on Twitch started today. Was today the first day? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so starting today had their, um, I don't know, their weekend event of... Pretty much everything. They're not just talking X-Men, because they've done all kinds of stuff. They did painting tutorials and stuff. Yeah, but... did a, they do a bunch of painting streams, and like um, Plummer, the, Michael Plummer, the guy who was doing the um, the X-Wing like, panel talk stuff, was just going on about how many of each ship he's planning on buying to do repaints and stuff. So he's, <laughs> um, he, he's well into it as well, so have to get yeah. him hooked up for the Sunday night painting stream, you know? I know, right? Right? Well, we clearly, and spoiler alert, they clearly listen to this show. <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. They clearly listen n- not to the community, to this show specifically, because some of the things that we have said on this show are coming to pass. All right, so let's get the low-hanging fruit out of the way early. 
Um, new ships. Obviously, we saw a teaser for the Razor Crest. We now have a picture of the dial, and we do have uh, the stats on the ship. So oh, the stats for a Mandalorian as well. The Mandalorian, correct. Yeah. So uh, dial. Uh, do the ship it, first, I think. Oh, all right. Let's yeah, do the ship. It's so, a third picture. Day. So I'm going to compliment Ed here. I've been an absolute train wreck. Yep. I held up the show for at least 30 minutes, had nothing ready. I, I was still trying to drive around, get to places. Ed pitches up, and I'm surprised there wasn't a PDF document made. With if I had more time. The Nova Squadron radio header on top of it. That's <laughs> a behind-the-scenes shit of what I used to do when I read the old show. I So... I got photos of everything. I literally, I, I made my children suffer through watching the X-Wing show through dinner so that I could snag photos of everything that was revealed today uh, from AMG. So let's kick it off uh, with the Mandalorian, um, the ST-70 Assault Ship, which I did not know was the official title until I saw this on print. Um, the Mandalorian, Din, Djer- Din Darjeran, uh, coming in at Initiative Five, they've got it's got a focus token, an evade, a target lock, and a red barrel roll. Will be on a medium base, according to the information that we got today. Uh, three attacks, two evades, seven hull, two shields. That's pretty darn beefy. And his ability: uh, when you defend or perform an attack, if you are in the primary arc at range one to two of two or more enemy ships, uh, you may change one of your blank results to a focus result. One of the first things that I noticed off the top of my head when I saw this was I don't see a baked-in ability on the ST-70 assault ship. No, it's like the TIE fighter doesn't have um, a chassis ability. Yeah, but I kind of get that for TIE fighters because they're they're like chaff in the Imperial armies. So I get that, but I would have thought that the that this uh, the ST-70 assault ship would have had a baked-in ability like some of the others, but it does not. Um, there was a part of me the, during the course of this presentation that, well, maybe these are pre-production, these aren't the actuals, but then we see other previews later on down the line we're going to talk about that do have baked-in abilities, so maybe the ship just doesn't come with one. I think yeah, that's more likely the case. Yeah, I think that that's it. Yeah, probably is, probably is. I mean, the yeah. ship really wasn't anything special. Yeah, you know, when you, when you get down to the show, it, it didn't do anything fancy, it carried its cargo semi-well. Had a nice weapons locker and a, you know, nice vacuum system. But beyond that, it was, you know, just a two-deck ship, basically. Yeah, yeah a lot, no. lot of closet space for your uh, carbonite frozen people. Exactly. <laughs> plenty, plenty. So obviously this is going to go into the Scum and Villainy faction, of course. I'm liking the idea of a nine-hull shield, two-evade, three-a-sec ship. I'm well, curious. So the, the, my concern is, is it fills the same slot that the fire spray does. Yep. That's cool. I'll take it. I can't believe you're saying it's like it's a problem. Right. Oh, no, no, you, no, no, you, no. Know, you know that Boba Fett is a ship and Milan, the Mandalorian's now a ship and the both I-5. Take... Yeah, and you can take both. And like, <laughs> right? So do you want to shoot Bubberies at range one so you're going to get re-rolls? Or you can shoot the Mandalorian. He is at range two, but you are all, you do all have him in arc, so you know. He's gonna best, get a, yeah. best hope he doesn't have multiple focuses or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it. We'll get there. There's, there's time. Don't worry. I am kind of curious. So, again, I know this always comes down to it, but points are always going to be a factor whenever it comes down to it. 
the 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 fire spray has the rear firing arc, which this one does not. I and mean, I totally get it from a, a fluff perspective. The interesting part, and I don't know if Simone meant to say this or not, if she was allowed to say it, but it did slip out. She, this is twenty four months in production, hmm. so we'll get further down the line with another card that was re- that was revealed today that kind of makes sense when you think about it this way. So they got this two years ago when they started the work on it. Um, but that was interesting. I mean, so I, the other part of this, of course, is the dial for medium base ship. I actually really do enjoy this one. Um, it has all of the ones. Uh, the one turns are red. Everything else is white. I thought he said everything was blue for the straight. So maybe it's just the quality of the photo that I took whenever it came off my TV. But I could have yeah. sworn that they had all, said that all straights are blue. All straights are blue. It just doesn't. There doesn't seem to be any contrast in either photo I took. Um, you took it off yeah. the TV, though. You took I it off take, the TV. I did take yeah. it off the TV. So yeah, you're gonna wash out blues when you take well, it off the TV. Well, that's what I did. Uh, it has all the twos. Uh, everything white, with the exception of the straight. It also has the two. Um, it's not the choreograph. What is that? That is talent rolls. Talent roll. Thank you. I was drawing a blank there for a second. Uh, it has all the threes. Uh, the three turns are red, of course, with a medium base ship. That makes sense. It has a four straight, which is blue. It has a five choreogran, and then it has a zero maneuver. It has all the tools. All it's the tools. A very versatile dial. Very versatile dial. Not a lot of blue on it, though. So they they this they this is this is quickly becoming my favorite ship next to the probably even more so than the fire sprays. Ooh, now that's well, a bold statement right there. Well, th- this has the B-Wing knife fighting capabilities. This is literally a medium-based B-Wing that can stop. Yeah, And, tal- and talent roll. There's a decent amount of versatility in there. I d- yep. I, I, there's no way Bubba and this guy aren't a thing. Oh, right. absolutely. Just, oh, absolutely. There's no way. You just, you just gave me my two aces to play Yeah. by adding this ship. So yeah, now yeah, I don't need to worry. Now it's not bounty hunters. It's now two aces. And if I can cram, which I doubt I will be able to, but if I can cram a bounty hunter in, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm hugely excited. They also showed a picture of the model, which for some reason I didn't snag a photo of. I don't know why I didn't. Oh, we've seen. It. It's yeah, been we've floating seen. around for a while now. Come on. If you've not seen yeah, the model. I, and I think that's probably the reason I was thinking at the time why I didn't photo, because this is not new. So I didn't, I didn't snag that. So they also did reveal that this entire wave is Mandalorian based. So I mean that really shouldn't surprise we'll, anyone. We'll, we'll get need. there as well. There's a lot coming yeah. for that. I mean, I'm massively excited for everything ever. But everything. I think we need to move on to the child next, though. The child, which that was the only thing that my, even my daughter, who was I forced to watch it, she goes, "His name's Grogu," and 24 months ago they did not know that because it had not been revealed in the show. Um, but he's Imperial, Rebel, or Scum, which I found extraordinarily fascinating. Um, obviously, as a dotted card, adds plus two force as a crew card. After placing forces, choose an opponent. Interesting wording on that. Um, they assign the Merciless Pursuit condition to two of their ships. Uh, your force tokens uh lost lose the re- reoccurring icon after you defend if you suffer damage during that turn attack during that attack recover one so the only way to reoccur force with the child uh is to be attacked or suffer damage and take damage attack. yeah and take but he does start with two force he does start with two force i was getting to that yeah, yeah. and since we did talk about merciless pursuit it is a two dotted 
um, limited card. Uh, after you perform a, an attack, if the defender is equipped with the child, you may acquire a target lock on the defender. Interesting. So I, I literally don't understand that card. Yeah, because I've read it four times, and I'm. It makes no sense to me. Well, which part of what? The, the after child you after after you perform an attack, yeah. If the if the defender is equipped with the child, now yeah. you're not e- you're not equipping the child onto another card. You're equipping merciless pursuit. Yeah. So merciless pursuit is the card the enemy has. So. Uh, now I get it. Okay. Yeah. yeah that makes so, total sense. So the child says that when you place in setup, you give. Merciless pursuit to two of your defenders, so, and sorry, then when two, they attack, yeah, so yeah. they attack you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these so are people like, chasing the child. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like giving the the what was it rebel uh, rebel agent or whatever it was that did the stress. You yeah. know, it's kind of like forcing them to. Yeah, that like, makes sense. A- agent Callus is a good comparison. Yeah, works somewhat agent Callus. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But am I reading this right? There's no downside to having Merciless Pursuit. No. So why would I, like, so the only way that this works, in my opinion, is if the child is, like, one point, and you're spending one point to get... I mean, if the child is one point, I will take it in every list that can take it. That's correct. That's correct. Even even with that, oh, so you've attacked three once. free, Free target locks. You yeah, cannot beat free target locks. It's a free target lock that your enemy gets after they've attacked you. Right, but so then, so, sorry, like, so maybe maybe it, I'm thinking it, too far into this, and maybe I'm thinking about the order in which it's taken. So after you perform an attack, now are they talking about the entire action? Yeah, so the attacks roll, finish. Yeah. The attacks, so like, it's not after I roll attack dice? No, it's no, after it's, the... Okay. Okay, then the, maybe that's not so bad because what I was thinking how this read was after you perform a test, it's not Colonel Vexery. You don't get to roll the lock immediately. Okay, yeah. and then you get the lock. Okay, that's what I thought it was doing. I'm like, why would I ever want to do this? Okay, so maybe. Well, well, wait a minute though, but you got to remember, like Chris said, this is on the opponent. So yeah. you're running the Mandalorian with the child, mm-hmm. the opponent's ship that has that you have placed merciless pursuit. On is now attacking you, and that gives you the ability to target lock the ship that's attacking you after you are attacked. No, it, it yeah. lets Ed's right. It, this is a downside to the child, they get to take this, a target this, lock. On so, if I'm playing you, Sean, and you've got the Mandalorian with the child, oh my god, what's the point of this then? To, Thank make, you. The, to make the card peeper, obviously, that's make the card what. To make cheaper. the child cheaper. That's the only because basically what you're doing is you're you're, you're letting you I'm letting you take a card that has two force on it. Should we read the Mandalorian's ability again? If you shoot oh. at me and there's two of you looking at me, I get to change a blank to a focus. Boss lets me change that focus to an evade. Yes. So I, like. I, I, I don't need actions anymore. You just don't hurt me. And then if you do hurt me, I get my force back. Yeah, like, I get that. I, I mean, get... I get... Like like you said, Chris, this would have to be one point to be worthwhile. Oh, I, I think it's worth more than that. Uh, this is So I think we are on the verge of a first edition... Emperor... Oh, shit, I'm spilling beer all over my table. 
Uh-oh. It's okay. Nothing ever goes wrong for me. Ever. Um, so what was I saying? It is on, on the, the verge of being um, 1.0 Emperor Palpatine conversations where we had Doug Kenny, Paul Heaver, and Bob Randall on the show telling us how expensive Palpatine was and how he was massively overcosted. And I was like... I don't know. I don't know, guys. I mean, I know you've got a degree and you two are both world champions, but I get the feeling it might be good. Turns out. So we'll yeah. see. I guess we'll see. It is a pretty big downside, but we'll see. That's what I'm saying. It's not. No, so you, Chris is how, right. How often do you take a... So you, if you... So I play out a scenario of just generics fighting generics, no abilities or anything like that. You take the target lock and then ended up not spending it. How often in the next round do you get to use that target lock? Well, all right. So I agree. I, I agree with that. But what it does is it frees them up to take a focus token so that they're firing back at you, focused and target locked. Every well, that's time. what I'm saying, though. They're probably not because they probably don't get to shoot. Like, we both have agency here. I can, like, fly past you. Well, I that's can, true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you're correct. I mean, it all depends what your strategy is with this. Yeah. But then again, you do have to take damage to get the force tokens back. Yeah, right. So I was just, right. just grabbing a towel. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. All right. So, so we have a, well, well, we'll see. So think, I so think about it this way: in the round of engagement, I'm going to let you. The Mandalorian is a better shot, and I took an evade. So now I get to roll two dice and I effectively have three evade tokens. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you there, Chris. It's, that's that's uh, definitely true. So even if you only get to do that once and you never take damage and never refill him, I feel like that's still okay. I feel like yeah. I would pay a decent amount of points Dude. I'm not, I'm not he, disagreeing he is... that I think that the child is good. I agree that the child is good, especially with his ability. It's that I'm going to throw around target locks for my opponent that I'm like... So two, mm. two of the ships get to, take, get to have this condition on them. Correct. Right? Guess what? You're initiative five. So one of those is dead because I initiative killed it. Yeah. yeah. Right? So now there's one ship that gets a target lock after it's performed an attack. I could even no, no. I I, I agree, I, Chris. You're you're 100 correct. And Ed, I think you're overthinking. This is a great this is a great ability in the Alpha Strike. Yes, oh, you're yeah. gonna you're oh, gonna yeah. survive. You're gonna survive the Alpha Strike. And as Chris said, once you're past, and if you're playing, <laughs> if you're playing Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, I... the chances of them being able to get that. You know, have two ships attacking you are going to be pretty slim. Yeah, like Bubba, unless you roll garbage. Bubba's going to be in the tearing stuff up at range one and being annoying because Bubba doesn't need actions either. I mean, the real secret is you could just put this on Bubba as well, right? <laughs> right. Make it even worse. Oh yeah, yeah. This this gets even stronger. Yeah. No, it's. Right, we got a lot to cover, so I'm going to move on to the next thing here real quick. I agree. Oh, uh, this is such, I mean, I'm so proud of you. I look at that. You moved us on as well. Because well, I know is... I've got I've got a lot more to say tonight. All right. So we did get a dial for a ship that we didn't get to see. They were having some technical issues. They were supposed to we're show. Gone. What was it? 
Yeah, the gauntlet, I think, is what they had said. Uh, the way that Simone described it is it is damn near epic size. It was so big that they... It was so big that it, they couldn't put it in normal X-Wing. It's something that uh, FFG had wanted to do for Sorry, a really long time. Sorry, I do time. need to dive in, because I'm an idiot. Bubba Fett lost his crew slot. Oh. Yeah. I mean, oh well. they're not You're wrong. You probably shouldn't let me have this on Bubba Fett. Well done, AMG. Right, getting ahead of the curve. Good job. But anyway, so they talked about this ship being um, almost epic size, but not quite epic size. Too big for normal X-Wing. So I'm thinking something the size of the ghost, because I always felt like the ghost was just too big for X-Wing. Like, they even had to develop a new um, stand for it, because it just was too damn big. So I don't know if it's going to be a little bit bigger than the ghost. Because, like, right now, I mean, legitimately, if you look at do the you, ghost... and Do you, you know what the, the gauntlet is? Uh, um, from yeah. Clone Wars and Rebels? It, it's a, it looks like a big fang fighter, but instead of spit rotating, the wings go up. Yeah, isn't that the yeah. one that Fen Rao was using? Um, it's a it's a Mandalorian trans. Oh, I'll, I'll see if I can. Yeah. I'm pulling up a picture here. Gauntlet, Mandalorian gauntlet fighter. There we go. This one. Yeah, it is. Right. It's, it, yeah, it's in the Mandalorian, they're, is it? Yeah, they're Bo yeah, Bo-Katan ship from Mandalorian. Yeah. And that's... Um, oh, okay, all right. So it's basically like a bigger Fang Fighter style. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. But, so it's definitely the length of it, I think, because those wings look mega long. when you, It's parked next to... I'm just posting it in X-Wing chat now on the Discord. But it's parked next to Slave 1. And, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's massive. Okay, uh, all right. And she did uh, say that the wings will move as well because she was doing the hand movement. She was. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's definitely a large, at minimum, a large base ship for sure. Oh, I'm going to bet you it's going to be something very similar to the the Ghost Stand. To be honest with you, for that size. Yeah. So then we did get to see what the ship itself does because we do see Bo-Katan in the ship. So, um, she is on. Is that's not the Imperials? Which side is that on? So that's Separatists, and um, and then there was the uh, Republic. There's two versions of it that we've seen. Uh huh. But in any case, so the ship itself, uh, Bo-Katan comes in at Initiative Four. Got a focus. It's got a uh, red reinforce target lock and a red. Coordinate. It's got three attack in the front arc, two in the rear, two evade, nine hull, two shields, and her, for her specifically, a recharging uh, one to, uh, energy token. Uh, before a ship, uh, before a friendly ship at range zero to two activates, you may spend one energy. If you do, that ship may gain one stress token to remove one non-stress red or orange token. One strain so, token, not stress. Strain. Yeah, why did I say that? I always do that. You always do that. I do always do that. May gain one strain token to remove one non-stress red or orange token. Yeah. Could be interesting. Um, pretty good for, uh, um, basically looking at, um, anything where you, um, what's the word? Uh, reload. So weapon disabled. Yes. Yeah. So, and I would assume a ship that size is going to have ordnance. Again, no baked-in ability. 
So that's where I was starting to wonder, like, hmm. Uh, let's go over the dial, of course. Uh, it does start off with a zero stall. One of my favorite maneuvers in the game. Uh, only has one banks, too damn big, so that makes sense. Has the entire suite in twos, and because of my washed out photo, I don't know how many of those were blue. Probably the straights. Probably the straights, I would agree. Has the entire suites of threes. Uh, the uh, turns are, of course, red. And it has a four straight. So the dial is not super impressive, but it's a large bit. It's a large ship. So I wouldn't expect it to be. Uh, it's like super, a shuttle. Yeah. It's, it's, it wouldn't be it's like a, memorable. like an Imperial shuttle. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And the uh, other, so yeah. I was going to say, unless anyone's got more to talk about on Bo-Katan. Um, I said, I think the ability is good. I, I'm glad they put that ability in the separatist faction. Cause I don't think you should let me like, cheat by having it in the Republic one. I'm glad Republic one got a different ability. Cause, mm-hmm. So, just as an example, if this was the ability on Republic, Paul Coon can pull the token from someone onto him, and then she can pull it... Uh, you could potentially like remove two weapon-disabled tokens from ships and stuff. And They've got more... Between Seven Fleet Gunner and R2 droids, there's a bunch of ways that Republic can abuse that ability. So, well done. Obviously, like, this was FFG, obviously not AMG, but still, well done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is still FFG's work. So, we also got the fan-out of the card. So, you uh, for for the uh, the gauntlet, of course, you can see the, we get the uh, Republic uh, version of Bo-Katan, which we'll get to here in just a second. Uh, we do see, obviously, a one and a two initiative. My guess is going to be one's going to be for Separatists, one's so, going to be for... Well, so that looks like, to me, the colors on this fan out are Republic, Scum, Rebel, Imperial, and then it looks like Rebel again? No, maybe the two Separatists, sorry. Yeah, no, the one in the back, I think if you look at, because it's got that mountain artwork, is the same artwork that we saw for the Bo-Katan. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so that's Bo-Katan uh, separate. Yeah. So, yeah, so it looks right. like Republic, Scum, Rebel, Imperial, and then Separatist. So everybody gets to fly this ship, practically. Except for the First Order, because fuck them. Yeah, Mandalorian's well. probably already dead by then. <laughs> But in any case, so the Republic version of Bo-Katan, um, nothing changes as far as the stats are concerned. Uh, after you execute a maneuver, you may gain one depleted token to choose an object in your front firing arc at range one to two. If you do, another friendly ship may perform a target lock action on that object. Interesting wording on the word object. Uh, everything in the game's an object, I believe. I know. Um, my, my point being is, so now that you could technically target lock a, a rock, you could target lock, you know... Uh, yeah. Something else we'll talk about here soon. Yeah, yeah, true. So, the last thing that they mentioned on this one was, oh, and I took notes on it, and I can't remember what he called it. There's a, a pack of cards coming. Uh, what did he call it? I think that the card you need to talk about underneath the fan is before the thing you wanted to talk about. All right, you're probably yeah. right. All right, so let's get into it. So let's these go ahead are still get... Mandalorians. These are still Mandalorians. Literally, so yeah, let's... they are just Mandalorians. Just Mandalorians. So this is a new type of device, and these are Mandalorian Super Commandos with an A. 
Commando yeah. team. Um, so this is a new remote device similar to the ones that dropped with um, Darth Maul's ships and stuff. Yeah, you've got um, Dark Eye probe droids, the Buzz droids, that's, that's all one of Buzz those. droids. Yeah. So Mandalorian Super Commandos. They have a two attack range front forward arc range one to two missile. They have so two it, evade dice. It just means that when they're at range one, they don't roll three dice. Right. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. That, that's the whole point for that one. Yeah. Uh, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Um, they do They do have two evade, two hull, or yeah, two hull, and two energy. And they read as follows After an enemy ship overlaps you, you gain one strain token. It. The active. It gains. Oh, it gains one strain token. Activation phase. At the start of this phase, you may relocate forward using a one turn, two straight, or right or one right turn template. In the engagement phase, you cannot attack if there are enemy ships at range zero. To perform an attack, you must spend one energy token. While you perform the attack, you may change one focus to a hit. Because obviously they have no actions in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So basically, it's just straight dice, and they're going to allow you to change one of those focus to a hit. I mean, uh, there's an easy way for me to do this, I'm sure. Um, it's an interesting idea. Like, I like the idea of the devices. I've always thought that that was something that we're missing was missing in this was smaller scale ships like that, or little missiles, bombs, guided missiles, things like that. So this kind of fills that slot. And it's badass because they're Mandalorian. Okay, so we'll shoot at a TIE fighter with a focus. So, yeah, you probably don't damage TIE fighters with these guys, but... Yeah. Alright, well, let's take it to an X-Wing with a focus. A 50-50 chance you get a hit through on an X-Wing. Two agility. Take the focus out. Yeah, so if it's a two agility ship that doesn't have a focus, but eighty percent of the time you should hit. Yeah, you should at least put something on them. Yeah, yeah, seems seems good. Seems interesting. It does seem good. Seems it seems interesting. Again, points are always going to be um, the determining factor. So this is the other thing that they talked about was another uh, pilot pack. Uh, is coming out, which is something we've already seen before. They've already done these before where they re-release um, pilots that may have already been named, ships that have already been flying with different uh, subtitle text cards. So we have a new TIE LN fighter, which always interests me. Uh, I, ISB I, I, Jin- I'm a huge fan. Just before you start, I, oh, oh, I'm in. I'm of this, in. Pa- of this particular yes. ship? Okay, I was going to say make sure, because there's, there's another ship I thought you were really getting excited for. I am, but I mean, there's a hell of a lot of stuff <laughs> that I'm excited for from this conversation. So, this is a limited card to two. ISB Jingus. Uh, obviously, it's got the same statistics as every TIE fighter you've ever seen in your entire life. Before you engage, you may choose one enemy ship in your primary firing arc at range 0 to 1. If you do, that ship gains one deplete or strain token of your choice unless it chooses to remove a green token. That's actually really good, and it makes me wish that... Well, no, at initial 4, that's really good. Now we're kind of playing Magic the Gathering in yes. X-Wing. Cancel card there, you know, it's a cancel spell. 
Exactly. It's going to pull your, it's either you're taking damage or you're pulling your tokens off. Or you're yep. the... So the, the, the reason I really like this is a little bit intricate and involving, but I feel like we've got time. We can get there, you know? So the reason why ties aren't good is because generally they're not the best joisting list and they're a joisting list. Like being the second best joisting list sucks ass. Yep, because you're going to lose. Yep. They never have enough punch to get through tokens because what ends up happening is your high pi- your high skilled pilots are the ones that are stripping tokens and the ones that are usually left are your low initiative ones that don't really do anything other than just throw dice. Uh, this so kind of for that <laughs> Yeah, this is really really interesting because you it's going to trigger twice because you're going to have two of them. And then you you go through the scenario so if I'm shooting at someone who's a, a high initiative if I've caught an ace in arc, they now cannot spend their token on offense, which means they're less likely to alpha one of my ships off the table. Right. Because they need to keep that green token to use against this, or else I'm just going to strain them. Now, if it's a lower initiative swarm, it would be better at joisting than me. I can shut down um, like droids if they've brought energy shell charges. Do you want to be able to fire your energy shell? Because if you do, I'm going to deplete you. So you can't yep. hurt me anyway. <laughs> or maybe I'll strain you so we can try and kill you. But it just adds another layer to that joist inefficiency for the list. Yeah. Um, and it's something that the list genuinely needs is a new angle. Yeah. So when you look at stuff like you're going to have... I'm relatively certain I'm rel- I'm going to have to check I can't say this before without checking but I'm relatively certain that the game lets me do um, an 8 tie swarm with Hellrunner uh, the last time I checked you could but they all have to be generics yeah yeah the minute you put a named pilot in there they start you start to break them yeah but like, this is still 8 what I'm saying is like, obviously we're not going to do that One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, so I get eight of them with Hellrunner. If I want to go down to like a six tie swarm now, I can do like the like iron because why wouldn't you? Then like black squadrons are your current initiative fours. Yeah, you would replace these with those. Yeah. So, I mean, you can do Howl, Iden, two Black Squadrons, and three Academies and still have seven. So, like... You, you if, can have a bid. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> but, you, know, you know what I mean? What I'm saying is there's a bunch of scope in there for this to, like, really push that the ties back into a meta, I think. I'm... I agree, this is interesting 100%. enough that I want to try the TIE Swarm again, which has been a while. I was happy to fly the, um, the Epsilon Squadron Cadet for the First Order um, rather than flying TIE Swarm because I felt like more versatile, but this might push me back towards being an Imperial player. My very first list that I ever learned how to play, learned how to fly, and I'm a huge fan. I'm absolutely looking forward to this. 
All right, let's get into this one. Chris gets to run Rebel B for uh, Fen Rao yeah. because Fen Rao is now going to be a Rebel pilot. Uh, they have him still on the same ship, of course, in the Fang Fighter, still at Initiative Stick, still has all the fun stuff that he always did. Uh, he is now the Mandalorian protector, though, is for his subtitle. Uh, before a friendly ship at range 1 to 2 engages, if there is an enemy ship in its primary firing arc at range 1, that friendly ship may remove a 1 non-target lock red token. I'm not going to lie. In my head, had... the ability is blank. Yeah. Uh, not This is worse than I wish he had scum. Fens. Yes, yes, I do wish he had one yeah. of the most best abilities in the game. Yes. yes. But it's still Fenrao. Still an issue I... six. Still got the Concordiant face-off uh, ability baked into it. The advantage of him not having that ability means that this guy has to be cheaper. I would think. I would absolutely uh, agree with you. I don't. I've by not being five attack range one. Just uh, he's he is not the same ship. He's not he he's not Fenro. But I don't. I it's so hard. I need to see what else. Like, do I get other Fang fighters? Um, like, can I run um, school squadrons? No, not Ooh. schools. Um, whatever. Like, are they going to give me an, an initiative one Fang for rebels? who I can then give uh, advanced proton torpedoes to. Potentially. Well, I guess we'll see. All right. I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff. Like, Rebels have some really cool ways of getting tokens passed around. But, yeah, removing... Um, what red tokens? So, I can remove stress, I can remove strain, I can remove depleted... I can't do it off myself. Um, so yeah, well, I don't know. The ability, I feel, is pretty irrelevant, but let's double-check yeah. something. I I happen to agree with you that you're basically paying for the i6. So, interesting fact, factoid. Fang fighters that are not Ben Rowe currently have a modification slot. Ooh. All the way up to old Terraka I five have a mod slot. It's only Fenro who doesn't. You give me afterburners on Rebel Fen. Yep. Now, now we're talking. You know, yep. like yep. I'm. I still won't be happy. Well, sorry, I, I secretly uh, will be happy, but I will complain about it until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't get to roll five dice with my uh, my normal attack. But yeah, I think there's a lot of fun to be had here. And I let's be honest, it takes some pressure off Wedge and Hera. Yes. Being the, uh, and Hera's new to a game of being the only Rebel Hope for I-6 pilots. Because like, you can't run Han. Like, large base ships just aren't a thing, unfortunately, like most games. Um Wedge is fine, but he's in the next wing. So now you've got, you could run Hera and Fen. No, it seems fun. It's fun. All uh, right, he, so so Hera oh, could like use her uh, her chassis ability to get extra actions, and then get rid of the stress because fun. See, it's, it's all good. Just throw that out there. 
All right, so that is going to do it for all of the new um, stuff that we were, that was revealed the, as the far as ships. As far as ships and cards are concerned. So let's get into Sean's favorite area, which is OP. Because there's a lot to go into here. So let's get a couple of the, uh, the easy ones right out of the way. There will well, be no- before we go into OP, I want to make one statement sure. about AMG. I am very proud of this company because today's presentation and what they announced catered more to new players than it did to the competitive scene. Because if you listen to what they talked about, it was talking about basically amending the rule book, the original box set rule book that players get and they learn the game off of most of the time where, you know, talked about putting a round limit in, you know, all of those types of things, which we'll probably well, talk about. But we are. But but my We're point like- is, is that I was extremely appreciative of the fact because this used to be my biggest pet peeve with FFG is that they were catering more to the competitive scene than they ever were to the new player or the casual scene. So I feel like we're just going to change Ed's order now because I think I, I've got follow-up directly to this. Um, so I think we're going to talk about this first, Ed. Sorry. Well, this um, is before Well, this is before OP, yeah. so yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I complete, I think... That was a very, very brave stream to do. Yep. Uh, yes. They obviously feel strongly that this is for the betterment of the game. And yep, I would agree. Like, and it, I don't know, for those of you that were watching it live, there were a lot of folks that were very well, upset. Who's going to... Like, I watched a little bit... Sorry to interrupt, Ed, sorry. Um, no, good. I watched a little bit earlier on in the day, and it had like four to 500 viewers. Entire entirety of that had triple that number, which still isn't a big Twitch stream, but you know, who do you think was like a thousand of those people were X Wing players? A thousand X Wing players who care about because he said we're doing points and they said, you know what I mean? So, this this was right people who care about a competitive game, correct? So, the they, stood in, they invited a bunch of people who were going to hate this and then did it anyway. Yeah, so that I would uh, first of all, I agree that the bravery for doing it there, some of these, all right, look, a vast majority of things I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to hear me say the following statement multiple times. We talked about this on the show and I think this is a good idea. Legitimately. I swear to God, I was literally messaging these guys as we're watching it. Like, I swear they're watching the show because that was our idea. We had that idea. We had that idea. Like they literally started going down a list of things that how we would improve the game they did. They're going to do. So it's going to be pretty fascinating. Um, so I think, while I may not agree 100% with everything that was stated today, I think overall, for the health of the game, I think that these are the right decisions. It's not going to be popular right now. I think a year from now, we're going to see the end result of, okay, it's not that bad. So let's yeah. get to the low hanging fruit all the way first. No worlds until, uh, no worlds is even in the planning uh, up until mid-2022. That is Climate of the Times. COVID variants, this does not surprise me in the slightest. 
I, I was speak- just impressed that not only were we listening to a show, Ed, the hacking into our phones to read my private messages to you. Because when you were saying, oh, man, I really hope we do say something about LP, even if it's just like throwing a bone. And I was like, what do you want him to say, Ed? Look, we told you we're not doing anything until 2022. And you know what we've done? Nothing. Because we're not doing anything until 2022. And they came That's exactly what we said. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was in the conversation. Yep, yep exactly. Yep. So legitimately, that is what they said. Now, for those of you that are still on your "I won my tickets to World" back in 2019, um, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, they are still going to honor those tickets. So whenever, and I'm sure that they, like legitimately, it's a logistics things. Like when they were in midsummer, they thought everything was going fine. People were getting vaccinated. Things were starting to open up, and then it went the opposite direction. This does not surprise me in the slightest. They did announce that they will be at Adepticon in March of 2022, March 22nd. They will that'll be, be that'll a- that'll be their test bed. Yep. Well, they will be having an X-wing event and an Armada event, which was really interesting here, considering the announcement that they had made a couple of weeks ago. Um, but my guess is is that they had to book in have already paid for that. So since they've already booked and paid for it, like I'm sure if they had the decision to make right now, they probably wouldn't do it, considering the climate of the times with with everything. But they're kind of locked into that. So well, one thing, one thing about that, real quick, is sure. they talked about casual play. Yes, yes, they talked an awful lot about casual play. An awful lot. And 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 the afterthought was, and we'll be having an event. And there's an and there's and, an and there's a competitive play. Yeah, because what they had stated for the Adepticon events for X Wing and Armada were they were comp- uh, narrative events. Yep. And we'll and we'll have competitive, but like that was genuinely their focus for those two events. It's a narrative, yeah. And again, I'm not sure if that is a product of the, well, we're kind of booked to go to Adepticon. We have to do something. We don't really want a big competitive event because we're not really sure how we're going to pull the trigger on that yet because we don't know what things are going to be running. Like, I I agree with what they're doing as far as they need a presence there. Great. Fantastic. They're going to run a narrative event. There will be a competitive event, but it's not going to be like any of the official regionals, store championships, you know, uh, System opens anything like that. It's just it's just going to be uh, an AMG official event. Yeah. So we get into store kits. Um, they did announce the store kits are coming. Um, so, there are. Sorry, I feel like we've had this one already. We knew about Aces High already. I can't remember how we. I think did we not do like a show where it was leaked? through like distribution or something about the ACC. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely yep, remember yep. us talking about it already. Yeah, so this wasn't a gigantic surprise because like you said, it had been leaked from a distributor. This is something they were planning. But basically it's a four main event. They are focusing um these two particular um new store kits that are going to be coming out. They are going to be very new player friendly. So uh, the Aces High Kit, for example, they are pre-generated um, ships that you get to take the cards away with you after you select them. So they did preview one that I'm looking at right now, which is Leia Secura. Um, she's in the uh, Jedi Starfighter, but it comes with all of the upgrades that are on the left-hand side. So way back in the beginning, early parts of Second Edition, they had all of these events the that were talking about. With these, the Quick Build Kits. That's exactly what this is. This is literally, this ship has all of this stuff stapled to it. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, if X-Wing was like this, I would play it every day. Yep. Well, well, Sean, stay tuned for more later in the show. Yep. <laughs> stay tuned. Um, I'm on board with this. I totally get what they're going for this. And I mean, they, they legitimately 
every other game company in the world right now is in the exact same spot. They don't know what to do with OP because they don't know month to month, year to year. It takes months. It takes months and months and sometimes years to plan out all of their events for the course of a year. And they don't want to go through and spend the money and the resources to get this stuff out there to then have it all canceled. I'm totally on board. So this is something to satiate the fans. The interesting part that they had stated was that there, there may be a way for you to be able to get these kits at home if your store isn't able to do the events there. So you're able to be able to pick up one of these kits and do an event in your home. So what companies like um, Harvest Bell I do is they actually will sell direct event kits and event codes to people to run their own events. Yeah, and, and I think that makes sense. I'm a huge fan of that kind of stuff. Generally, it's a little bit of a markup on if a store gets it, but that's to you know well, to, it's well, to make you... sure that the store can still have a margin kind of thing. But it's not ridiculous. I think, right. for example, um, one of the big um, one of the, the big kits for the store would be like eighty US dollars from Carvis Belli. But if you order it, it's like 80 and change plus shipping. Whereas in obviously, because the stores are getting it through distribution, they don't have to take into account the shipping. Yeah. So uh, it's not a I massive mean, markup or anything, but if it's that kind of model, I'm 100% in. Yeah, and and whether I play every day or not, or play X-Wing, I actually am going to get back into X-Wing especially now that they're really looking at this casual side. You know, I, I I used to enjoy the competitive side, and I myself was not a true competitive player, but I was probably the most competitive organizer that you'd ever seen because, <laughs> because I was proud when we had eight guys make, you know, six guys make the cut at Worlds, eight guys make the cut, you know, when the cut got larger, things like that. That's what made me proud of our Omaha group. but. With this type of stuff, if I can go to a store and say, hey, when you get the kit, reserve one of these. I want the four ships. I want the pre-builds so that I can just, my son and I don't have to sit there for 400 hours going through 8,000 cards to build lists. I just have this pre-build and we play it. And then if we don't like it, you know what we do? We scratch one out and replace it with a card. You know, we, we do those types of things that makes it fun, makes it much more uh less competitive we'll call it less competitive and more compelling in my opinion you know or i can bring in you know two other friends and my son and two other people within our covid group can sit down and we can play the furball because that's really what this is is just a furball event with four ships instead of eight and i think that this is the name in a good way to bring new players in because it takes it takes a part of it out of the game. Now, of course, having the ship is important because you need the dial. But at yeah, the same time, I'm curious about that because so the way that they described it was like, oh, you get to take the card away when you're done. Like, so like if I ran this ship that uh, mm-hmm. they showed today, you have to take that card home with you. Well, great. Well, what if I don't own the ship or the dials? So or the how, dial, right. How does, oh, how does that work? You. No one's got Ada's, Ada 2s anymore anyway. We're all out of stock, so get wrecked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are there are problems with this, but if you're an organizer running the event, hopefully you have the ship so that when people come and play in this little, you know, these little little tiny furballs, that you they can play with them. I, I think the good thing about the way they worded it is that these aren't prizes. Right. Exactly. You're not 
you're not exactly and this is what i was going to move on to about if they do make kits available to a public the ass will fall out of the secondary market Yep. which will remove yep. a monetary value attached to those cards, which will mean that there's less reason to be a competitive focus player to win money. Right. To- yeah. The right. only way to be a comp- the only reason to be a competitive player at that point is for the joy big of events. Yeah. And the big events. And when well, they do yeah. their the large events which will draw those high level competitive players, but the day to day this let's just say the store championship level you're not going to have guys traveling from all over the place to come and win whatever prizes there are, cards that there are. You know, right. you're going to have more local events, which I think is great. I, I 100% agree with you on that. The other event that they announced, I saw it already in the comments, but I'll save that one. It's basically Rocket League in <laughs> X-Wing. It's Kick the Droid. Um yeah. They they announced some sort of the the event idea is that there would be droid. Uh, these are the droids you're looking for. Are the droids you're looking for? I think it was. Yeah, the uh, the droids you're looking for. Um, basically, you have markers on the t- on the board that are going to represent droids that you're trying to kick out so they can be picked up and by tractor beams. Um, that's the objective. I thought they were going for objective based uh, for the first couple of seconds, and then I kind of listened listened for a few more seconds. Like, no, that's not really what they're doing. Um, it but it is objective. Is- the objective is to score more droid goals than your opponent. Right, exactly. <laughs> then it absolutely is X-Wing Rocket League is how this is going to work out. Again, this is another non-competitive fun event. Absolutely on board with it. I saw a lot of people go kick the Gronk. It was kind of the kick the Gonk droid. So like maybe yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe yeah. it's going to be Gonk Ball. Kick that, the kick the BB-8. I, yeah, there you go. You should absolutely have it as an ABA because he basically looks like a soccer ball. Yeah. But my thought process is, is some of the most fun that I've had, like especially I'm thinking like Nova Open, for example, were the side events like that, where it was just the sh- the, the the fun, just kick around, real yeah. life kind of stuff. That's exactly what this feels like to me. So those will be interesting. We'll see how those goes. Those are the first two kits that are coming out. Um, that's all we know as far as those are concerned. Let's yeah. move on to points. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the Twitch stream already, they told us zilch as far as point changes are concerned. They said they will be announcing those in a couple of weeks. The big announcement that they did say from that, um, from the points perspective, though, is that the Squad Builder app, the official FFG Squad Builder app, will no longer be updated. You will be updating it via the PDFs. This makes perfect sense to me because it was an FFG application and they probably don't have the staff. Well, it's not, it's not, it, we know it was outsourced to a Polish company uh, oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the first time. So all of those contracts would have been through FFG. So the hassle to go through it again when the community is providing a better service for free. And like you guys know have listened to me enough times. I was a, a long hold for the FFG app. In the last year, I've just dumped it. I use the iSpeed um 2.0 now. Uh, yeah, yep. another squad builder 2.0. Just because literally there's that many bugs in the FFG one that weren't being maintained or corrected that this was always the writing that was on the wall. And yep. so none of uh, them. And, and for new players, this is an easier way to do it. Just download a PDF and build off those, you know. Yep. I, 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 yeah, I would rather have this than a non functioning app. Exactly. I would rather have this than non-updated points. So, oh, yeah. 
So By far, I'll, yeah. I will, t- I will take this. The community will adjust. Uh, the folks over at yet another squad builder will get those up hours. No, I, I'm going to take Umbridge with that. The community won't adjust because the community doesn't use the FFG squad builder. Okay. But That's literally, true. I, I've seen people already complaining about this being a step backwards. That's why. Okay. Don't, you, don't you, make you, me come over. Show me the last put list you printed from the FFG. I mean, I can. I used it, and I spoke about how I liked it and the reasons why, and defended it. And I knew I was fighting a losing battle because I knew, factually, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the mm-hmm. best of the options. But my point was always, it's free. You've not paid for it. It's just included in the service. But the fact that it goes away, I just do what everyone else was already doing. Like, this is not a big deal at all. So, yeah. There will be no adjustments, because no one was using it. Alright, so like, now I'm going to put on my... Oh, we oh, lost Sean. We lost Sean. No, no, which ruins all of our cameras. Oh, he's back. Hey, Yay! And it automatically puts everything back. Yay! Alright, so... I am going to put my flame retardant armor on right now for the next couple of statements. One of the things I started talking about was the core rules and how they evaluated the core rules of X-Wing and said there are some things in here that haven't really made sense for a really long time, but we've it's the way that we've always played X-Wing. It's the way that's always been. And one of the first things that they started talking about was there is no limit to X-Wing. In theory, if two players so chose to, they could continue to fly around the board forever and never fire a shot and never end a game officially. We have seen games as early as 2018, 2019 worlds that have gone on for several hours. Like that's the reason why the 75 minute time that was even established in the first place. Remember, was- uh, just remember the time when it wasn't 75 minutes when we started playing X-Wing. When the timer was- came in, it was a 15 minute setup and a 60 minute game. So don't come at me with, oh, but well, it's been 75 minutes for nine years. It's always worked. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. We've had change before, we'll have change in the future. Sit your ass down and let them do the jobs. Yep. So what they have decided to do is to establish official turn limits to the game of X. Um, To me, this makes perfect sense. I do find it very interesting to what they are going to do, what it's going to do to the meta. Um, But let's just get it out there. So the baseline is going to be 12 rounds. It is 12 rounds beginning to end. My suspicion is going to be that it's going to be 12 rounds, 75 minutes, whichever comes first. So, for example, if you only get through three rounds so, in 75 minutes. So, know. I want to, I, I, so they, to me, what it seemed like they were saying, and this is, you know, looking at it through these rosy goggles, is that it had nothing to do with the organized play side, no. tournament side. Yeah, it, it had to, it, it had to do with, it had to do with the rule book that had no time limit. No limit to it. Where, and I'm talking about the corset rule book, not the, not the expanded no, rules for even, tournaments. Don, the, the expanded rules for tournaments, not tournaments. Sorry, the the learn to play book is play to destruction. The rules reference guide is play to destruction. Right. So this is adding a 12 round limit yeah, in right. those two items in the base game, out of the box because they kind of put it that way where it was out of the box. Yep. Base game had no time limit or had no limits 
And that's what they were doing. Like I said, I think that they're really reeling this back all the way back to 2012 at their original release when you open up the box and they're they're looking at the rules, you know, all the way back that far. Now 2.0 exists in between, but that's what they're doing. They're actually re going to rebuild the basic game of X-Wing. I 100% agree. And I 100% agree with this change. I, I, yeah. I know that the... It's- if you were watching the Twitch stream, the... the, the oh, the it was good. No, it's, that was funny. It was like a flamethrower watching people going through, like, well, what's wrong with 75 minutes? What's wrong with 75 minutes? It's they not weren't the talking about that. It's not yeah, in the it's rule not book. in the rule book. Right. Not, so exactly. Do you want That's me to tell you what happens if you learn a game with a 75-minute timer? You stop playing. You, no, you play three rounds. Yeah. Oh, you, you're you, correct. Yeah. Like, if you're trying to learn how to play X-Wing as a new player... And you you look in the rule book. It says, "Okay, so I've got my stopwatch. So I've set a seventy-five minute timer. It's going now." Because remember, a seventy-five minute timer should start the moment you start playing the game it's in setup. Mm-hmm. That's yes. why it used to be fifteen minutes for setup, 60, 60 minutes for a game. It was right. changed to be seventy-five minutes, which was supposed to start at setup. The timer does not start in the system phase of round one, which is when the timer starts. If you if you ask anyone who runs a timer, ninety percent of people will say that that's when they start a timer. Yep, I agree. System phase round one. So, so you, they... sorry. So yeah, like if you're if you're learning the game, you start your timer. Then it's like okay, so I put this rock down. Then your opponent goes, oh, they're not going to be within like, outside of two of the edge. Oh yes, yeah, so we need to move that one back. Okay, so I'll, is it my do I put my three down and you put your three down? No, okay, right, okay. And then, and then you get you get one combat round, and the next thing you're doing is scooping it and putting it in the bin because it's too complicated of a game to play with the 75 minute limit. You, like, just let people learn the game, and then if they want to right. go to an, an event that needs to run it, like how do you play 40k? Ed, how, what's the time limit for a game of 40k in a rule book? There is none. It's turned. Oh, okay, okay, just checking. Right, but how many people turn up to 40k events? thousands all right and do they just play indetermined amount of time between rounds like everyone sits around waiting for the last table no, no do, do they really. actually just run fine i mean i'm being yeah. massive facetious because i've ran these events because i'm not a one-trick pony i've played many many games and ran events for many many yeah. games it's not hard to imprint something on top well, that's what's kind of crazy to me. It's like, have they never? The, the folks that were flamethrowing this in the in the Twitch stream were like, "Have you never played any other miniatures game other than this one?" This is a standard. The answer is no. No, it's yeah. Most of them probably not, or they haven't for a long time. But at the same time, it's also about that. You know, the skill of communication is a person talks, you listen. Yes, active listening you, was active very, listening, very lacking. And, and it wasn't happening in that chat. Not at all. All they heard, all they heard was twelve turns, and then their minds just exploded, and then they had to react. Everybody. Do you want to know what my suspicion for the majority of that chat was? The majority of the people that turned up waiting to find the thing they could be mad at AMG for. Exactly. Found it, and and they found it. Yeah. Oh, it gets it it gets better, but we'll get there. So, yeah. So for the rain limit, it's not hard to put a timer on top of it. It's. Mm -hmm. Like you don't even have to; it's fine. But one thing I did want to say before we moved on, I remember 
a couple of years ago now, but I, I distinctly remember it because I believe we it kicked on to us doing a show where we looked at who when we were doing the Swarm versus Ace player, and I was having my soapbox moments about how bad Ace players are for like, actually running the clock out and stuff like that. Um, you're getting to the same point I'm going to yeah. if you go to Fly Better there's an old poll that Ryan put up asking what's the minimum number of turns you have to play to feel like you played X-Wing and the the numbers were like massively 11 rounds I think was like yeah, so you're right like, there it, in that wheelhouse. It started anyway. at like like seven was like the minimum with a decent number of replies, but the most common number was like eleven, twelve rounds. And and if you listen to AMG, uh, the the two people talking for AMG, they both stated, you know, it felt the game felt like that eleven to thirteen rounds was that window to know that you had a good game, you know, that you played a full game. Yep. And right. if you look at it, it agrees across the board, yet I, the the funniest thing I saw, Ed, when it came to the rounds thing, was there were two people, because I was watching the chat, I had it on slow, and I think they had it on slow. I, I took turned the chat off at this point. Not well, so, so it was hilarious, because was. Yeah, there were two questions in the chat. Well, are you going to give us something so that we can count turn? Are you going to give us a turn counter? And I laughed, and I'm like, yeah, 12-sided die. Just pick it out yeah. of your crap, you pull, know? Pull it out of your pocket. Uh, put it in or, or, or rip up 12 pieces of paper, you know, rip, rip up a piece of paper into 12 sheets I mean, and either take one off or put one on as you play. Not even that, Sean. Like, look, even if they say you can't because that would be note-taking and you're not allowed to take notes in the rules, blah, 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 whatever, okay? You know what? Get 12 shield tokens, flip them over each time. Thank you. There's yeah. Those tokens. There, there's just ways to do it. There, there are so many ways to do it. It's unreal. Yet people were using that as something to complain about, and it's just like, well, you should com- use common fucking sense has to dictate somewhere in people's brains when all of this stuff's happening. I know that that's not what they were there for. And, and Ed, you were right. You were right. They had their flamethrowers out and ready. Yep. For something, and that was the first thing that they found that they could complain about. I would argue that the first and only thing that was to complain about, surely. Surely there was nothing else. I would argue that a vast majority of the people that were complaining about this couldn't tell you the average number of rounds their games take. I would bet. If you asked them right now and said, how many average rounds do you take in a game? They couldn't tell you. And I'm not. And out of the thousand people in that chat, how many people have ever been to a real tournament? Right. Not just a local tournament well, run by somebody. I I'd say a good chunk of them because those are the only people who care enough to waste some of their Thursday evening. Eh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. We do have a couple other things we want to bump onto because I don't want to yeah. do all night. So I do want to capstone this with a couple of things. They did mention that these uh, limits are variable. So they did mention a 9, 12, and a 15. I assume 15 would be like a final table to Worlds. Uh, you'd want that one to go out as many as possible to be able to get a definitive answer. Or scenario. They also talked about so, scenarios so, in there, too. Yeah, remember yeah. that this wasn't for organized play, though. They said this is for the rule book. For the rule so, book. Right, right. Right. So, uh, like, I, it, it's more... Have, it, sorry, yeah, the way they said it was, it, if you're sitting down at your table... Uh, if you're sitting down at your table and want a quicker game, just play nine rounds. If you want a longer game, play 15. Right. So, Yeah. The other thing I think, uh, I know the 
Kylo Ren, duck and cover, kill a ship and kind of run out the clock kind of uh, list has always been out there. Can you imagine if you pull that game off in 45 minutes? Oh, round 12. I killed my ship. I'm done. Like, so I'm kind of curious to what that alone is going to do so, to the meta. I don't think it's going to be a majority. This but is I think something that came up, not this exact thing, but uh, it puts me in the mind of a statement I got from uh, Nami, one of the, one of the crates. I was talking to him about something else entirely. Um, in fact, I think it was talking about the Thai Whisper and how it looked like the cardboard rendering didn't have the correct arcs printed on it. Uh, yeah, everyone, like, everyone's complaining about it. I'm like, but wait a minute, what are you talking about? It's a variable arc. Yeah, well, it's, but it's by the way. But um, his point was that it needs AMG to come out and say something because then everyone could be mad at AMG, who is a faceless corporation, not mad at the TL or not mad right. at their opponent. So <laughs> what happens at the moment is if I'm playing you, and I'm fucking around. So I know that if you get to shoot me one more time, you might half point Kylo and then I lose. So I'm like, fucking hell, man. Should I should I focus and barrel roll? Or should I focus and boost? Oh, I just don't know. What about if I barrel roll and then boost? No, maybe boost in and then barrel roll. Should I boost left or should I boost right? Should I barrel roll front? Should I barrel roll middle? Should I barrel backwards? Hmm. You know what? I'm going to take no action because you have no shots. It was irrelevant. You needed one more turn, and I just made sure you didn't get it. Yep. Make sure to say that out loud, too, while you're doing it. That that means that I'm the dick. You're mad at me because I'm blatantly running out the clock on you, and you have no control over this because I'm going over valid choices. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, valid decision points in my list. This is the remember when we were talking about the um, the triple ups ones before they nerfed that out of the game. It's like okay, early so, early in second edition. Yeah, turn one. I'm going to coordinate. A, uh, what action should I do? Okay, well, I'll do coordinate. Then I get to pick a ship because I get to measure them all, and then that ship gets to pick an action. What action should I do? Hmm, it's going to coordinate, but I get to pick. You can't rush me. And then it coordinates to the third one. And that guy coordinates back to the first one who takes his focus token. Like, I've yeah. just wasted two minutes of game time because I can, because I'm trying to solo play. That's how I win. But yep. under a round system, if you needed one more round, you knew how many rounds were in the game before you went in. Yep. So exactly. you you can be mad at yourself for not taking advantage of it, or you can be mad at AMG for not saying 13 instead of 12. But the person you can't be mad at is the person sat across the table from you. Yep. And that's a healthier environment to play in. I Correct. 100% agree with that. So from one flaming pile of shit, let's go into the second flaming pile of shit that's going to be on our lawns tomorrow morning. Um, bids have been a part of the game for as long as it's been an inception for as far as I know, at least in competitive play. Uh, determining which player uh, goes first in the event of a tie of pilot skill back in the day and now initiative was always determined by the player that had the least amount of points. That is going away. Uh, <laughs> this has been a part of Finally. Uh, squad uh, building for as long as the game has been in its inception. It's one of those things that has never truly made sense. Um, in my opinion, I've never, I mean, I understand, I've understood the tactical ability of being able to build an aces build and make sure that it's eight points under so that you guarantee that your ace is the one that shoots before the other one that is all going away. Bids are going away. 
So now they are going to do a random determination on which player uh, goes first in the event of ties. Um, so long live 200 point list because there's no reason whatsoever not to max out your lists anymore. None. Yeah, unless you're playing ships that you just can't. Right, right. Like you, like you. And and then <laughs> to pull the 40k analogy, sometimes you yeah. get to that 485, and there isn't a fi- like there are 400 and, or 1498 points, and there's not a two. And there's just two points, yeah. And you just can't do shit with, yeah. So beyond that, like uh, that's that, the only reason that's going to happen. I mean, it's sure. inevitable. Oh, it's inevitable. But and and the best, but there's no benefit to it. Well, the best yeah. part is, is that your opponent benefits from it. Yeah, yeah, because they said deficit scoring as well. So, right. uh, uh, yeah, that's the real reason why they want to remove it. To be honest, is because you're yeah. holding points off the board that they yeah. can't be shot unless your last ship is off the board. Right. Yeah, yeah. You only get those points when you wipe them out completely. Which has always been a tactical advantage that I've never understood. So, yeah. No, I've been against that. You guys know that I've been against that since day one. Yeah. I mean, we. This, this is, is something we all agree on quite well. I think. And yep. this is the point in the tr- Twitch stream where I started thinking to myself, are they listening to the show? I know we've talked about this. Yeah, I we've know talked we've- about it through both shows. And the, the best part about it is, to me, is that, you know, now now the sky is falling. You know, it, if you watch the chat, the sky is falling. Oh, X-Wing 2.0 is dead. Now we need X-Wing 3.0. You know? Yeah, I saw that. I saw all this. You're fucking all, kidding me, dude. All this bullshit because they're, once again, active listening skills are very important. If they would have listened to the whole thing instead of, t- you know, keyboard warrioring it, they would have realized that this is actually, a, their their rationale for it is extremely smart. Yeah, it and ex- extremely good. It balances it the game. An advantage, that an unfair Correct. advantage that is that takes place long before the event even starts in your list building phase. Right. Or if you want to do that, or if you can't do that, you're kind of at a disadvantage. If you're one of those people that you know min maxes everything, you're at a disadvantage now. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if they're encouraging players to spend all their points. Right. One of the other things he said, and uh, I think this was uh, Plummer that had stated this, um, and it was kind of a side comment, but something that they were, an idea that they're kicking around, but haven't set uh, sights on entirely, uh, was the idea of sideboard. Right, so and, I, don't, I don't want to go too far away. There was a couple of things I wanted to just touch on before sure, we... Sure. Uh, so, complaints about random player order that I've seen so far. Uh, like, well, it just kills aces. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't go for it. so. Like, right. So my if I'm playing Cynthia Fellad, right, I can't guarantee Cynthia Fell will move second now because I can't bid twenty points. So then I'm obviously losing. So claim this game's unfair. Bullshit. But, but <laughs> who who am I bid? Am I bidding against the Initiative uh, Two Rebel Beef list? Because I still move after them. Right. So am I bidding against your Cynthia Fell? Because in that case, the only difference is now that I haven't wasted 20 points because either we we already had the same bid, right? So it was already random because we were mm-hmm. playing a net list and we both optimize it to a mathematical best list because let's not beat around the bus. The, there is no architecture here. There's a mathematically best way to play aces. And right. once, you get, once you get there, it's the same because you can't strip out anything else. So it's already random. 
Yeah. So if, if, those, if those 180 point lists are dumpster in 200 point lists because they didn't have i6s in them anyway, that means it was fundamentally something wrong because you didn't buy anything. Your bid didn't buy you anything because you didn't need it. You're playing 180 right. points against 200 and still winning. It's fundamentally broken. Yes. Right? And, and it's not nerfing you if it's only happening against the mirror because it's buffing that the same like, like what, how much of a discount do you want do you, if I give you 10 points off my soon to fell but I have to cost the other one 10 points more now so the delta is still the same fell right. still the same it's got the same value when you add them both up and divide them by 2 like it doesn't yeah. nerf aces at all it, it, it would have been more important in one in in first edition than it is in second edition. Yeah, I agree. For sure. But I, I do want to say this, though, is that from everything that I can think of that they said, they really never said how, what that implementation is going to be. Is it random every round? Is it random at the beginning? Is it random um, yeah, every was, third round? You know, it, It's is random it, at the start. Right, random point because it's already a term in the book. Page sixteen of a rules reference guide has yeah. the definition for no, random, I, uh, randomizing player order and tells you how to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, it's got that's what it is. You yeah. Know, yeah. Like, which which is once again going back to what's better for the game and the base rules of the game. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then what else? Uh, yeah, so deficit scoring is part of that. The worry now is that in if I like make a list and I can only get to 196 points, so you get four points. Mm-hmm. That only matters if when we add up the differentials on all of our ships, there can possibly be a difference of less than four points. That's assuming you got 200. If we both couldn't spend all of our points, the the only thing that matters is the differential between our, both of our points. Right. So if I spend... Longer. Yeah. So I, if 198 I, to 196, it's that two-point differential. Yeah. So like now, if there isn't a case where the half points, full points, the way it adds up, if the difference is never smaller than two like, and three points, that difference is irrelevant. Correct. It cannot affect the game. Like, right. barring you running away from the entire game, which is all right. I mean, that already happens now with Final Salvo. All that's happening now is that uh, instead of Final Salvo, it's uh, oh, I actually just win. Cool. Instead of people having to not understand Final Salvo and go, well, my five dice to your eight is still a pretty good chance of me winning. No, it's not. It's basically an auto loss. You might. Uh, it's better knowing that you've lost up front, so you don't even take that chance. Yeah. So. And and then the odds fall in your favor for some reason. Yeah. Then you get lucky. You know, the that's the key to it. <laughs> I really like what they're doing. I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. I, I I'm right there with you a hundred percent. So yeah, they did kick around the idea of sideboards. They didn't give any idea of implementation or how it would work, points or anything on the side. I'm I good with that. I'm good with the idea. Genuinely, I am. Um, there have been plenty of times like, oh, crap, I built this one list to fight, fight this. And... Oh, man, there's a droid over there. I should probably take seismics. Yeah. 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 
give you 25 points on a sideboard. Yeah, and I would think that you would still need to build a list that equals 200 points at the end. You can't go over. I think that I think some of this stuff kind of like writes itself. I'm on board with the idea. I think it's a, I think it, it adds some more tactical abilities to behind the table of what you can do. So the other really, thing, the other thing it will do at it is it'll limit rock paper scissors. Yes. Yeah. It becomes a limiting factor against rock paper Heaven scissors. Heaven forbid the game is actually about what happens on the table, Sean, not what well, happens in list building. Heaven and, forbid. And now, X-wing. and now, X-Wing is now dynamic. X-wing. Oh my God. X-Wing, oh my God. as we know it, which we will not survive that. Luckily, it will just be a better game with potentially different people. Right, exactly. But again, they didn't give too many more details. It's an idea that they're kicking around. So I thought if it's, it, it warranted it enough attention that they felt the, the need to bring it up at that stream. So that's an idea that's out there. The part where I really got vocal about they've been fucking listening to this show is when they started talking about a ban and restricted list. I know that a few shows back when we were talking about uh, about extended and we were talking about, well, extended is the real game. They should just do this. I know for a fact that Sean and I talked about a ban and restricted. Uh, we've done it multiple times now. When yeah, MG took funny. over, one of the things I brought up was yep. about the fact that uh, Crisis Protocol had yes. a ban restricted list. Ban restricted list. Yes, right. I remember this full conversation. Yeah. So you're welcome, AMG. I hope you enjoy. It was, I like the stream. Thank you. So if you borrow that, I just give credit. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> that's all well, I ask. I don't. You, that's all I ask. You, you know, as long and this is the danger you run with a with a ban bar list like that is it. Yes, you can limit things in it, but you can't take things completely out of the game. If you're given, if you're taking something, let's just say, here's my best example. Let's say the rebels have a ship that is really powerful and is is maxing out the meta. You know, I mean, the is, easy ones like supernatural reflexes, Sean. Where it, how many points yeah. is it now? Uh, is it like thirty six points on it? I mean, yeah. I've got I've got it open right in front of me. Thirty two points on Anakin. Yeah. It's not thirty two points, is it? It's just is this high enough for no one to ever take it? The answer was no, because someone won an event with Kylo with it. Right. So uh, it but probably my, needs my, to go up again. So is you can't, you you can ban stuff like that. That's a great example. Is just take it out of the game, but you can't cripple a faction doing it though, just because something is yeah, too powerful. No, I I agree with that's that. That's what I'm afraid of. That's the only thing. And I because I've I, seen it. I've seen it in Magic: The Gathering, where they will limit that meta that's going on, and usually it's you know a month before rotation when it happens. But well, that's wizards for you. Yeah, but they but when they do it, it actually your wallet. Exactly, and you just spent sixteen hundred dollars on a deck that you literally take three cards out of the deck, and, and three most expensive cards out of the deck. You know, you just have to be careful with things like that. What I think it does, though, so I know Chris has made this point several, several times. Like, so we talk about, oh, well, the what, how many, how far down the the ladder can we go on points for? The Millennium Falcon for the the YT thirteen hundred. The it gets stupid before it gets good. Right, exactly. Yeah. The it gets stupid before it gets a good argument. Then you have things like, well, how do you fix that? Besides that, the other thing I'm thinking about are situations where a card 
the way that their contract works with LFL from our, my understanding is the reason why FFG went to points on a PDF as opposed to physically printed on the card is because they then need to go back and renegotiate with Disney, with LFL, because they're changing something. They're changing printing product, yeah, whereas in this way, it's not. Right. So let's just say something makes it through playtest, something makes it through that is visibly broken. Like Ensnare. Some fucking Ensnare. Like they had to rewrite the rule book and the tractor mechanic because Ensnare was so broken. Right. Whereas they could have just banned the car. Yeah. And then well, they don't need to do any of it. Yeah. This is the right answer. Like, this is something that I have been preaching like, for years. Like Duke, where we've spoke about like how Duke gets better and better the more copies you have. Oh, well, if it was restricted and I can only take four, well, suddenly Duke seems okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have been talking about this for years. I think this is a good idea. I think this is going, again, I'm going to repeat this statement as we said it multiple times. This is going to push us into a healthier competitive game yeah. no it doesn't feel that way right now for the competitive minor players like well that's insane that's bullshit yeah i get it i do but we're not talking about you we're talking about the rest of the field right i get well, that you have min maxed the list to the point that it's the most efficient that it possibly can be but it then doesn't make it competitive for every other list that you play again well the other thing is is that X-Wing doesn't have a pro tour. So right. it's not li- like you're hurting any one individual anyway. You know, it's mm-hmm. you're, you're basically trying to bring the bottom to the middle and the top to the middle. That's, that is the whole goal of banning. Yeah. You know, you, that, that's it. You're, it you're, you know, balance the meta is what it, it hurts. It hurts the min maxers. It helps the confused you know, and it really helps the people that are in the middle that like playing maybe non aces or like playing, you know, middling ships or things like that. It'll actually yeah, help. Guy, it helps bring things out that maybe wouldn't have come out without it. It's co- competitive players. I can. I'm speaking directly to you. I've been there. I've been in your shoes. I've been that guy too. How many times have you sat down across the table and found your exact hard co- hard counter across the table and go, "Why am I even playing this game? I can't beat that list." How much nicer would it be if one of the cards in there that made that list work got banned and one of the cards that got banned and your list got card, then all of a sudden it, it all the rising tide rises all boats. This is going to raise the meta competitively for everybody. Everybody, yeah. Not just the 1% at the top that are min-maxing it out and taking the most possible point-efficient list in, in there and that's the only thing that they play. It's going to bring the rest of the players up to your level. And that's where if you include that with sideboarding, mm-hmm. it really brings things to the middle. Because keep in mind, the one thing that I genuinely feel is the most important part of any competitive game is it should come down to skill. It should come down to maneuvering on the tape. Exactly. Getting around those rocks, getting the right firing angle. It should not come down to the card game on the side that I built my list more efficiently than you, so I win. No matter what you do. That that's not That's not a competitive game. I know it feels like it is, but it isn't. It's not competitive if the person across the table from you doesn't have a chance because your list is broken and theirs isn't. And, is and, and in 2.0, it's broken because you had access to the ships and cards and they didn't. Well, yeah, there's that too, but we'll get, yeah, so we'll get. Yeah, that. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> be sad if we just immediately banned everything from Extended that wasn't available in second edition. Not yeah. going to lie. Yeah. Thank you very much, because I mean, that's what Ed and I have been saying since day one. Day one. Day right. one. How much did you sell your gunboat, Ed? 
I sold two of my three, yes. How much did they go for? About 70 bucks each. All right, oh, good. no, yeah. Does that, does that seem like a nice, like, welcoming, friendly game? Oh, I, I played a game against these Star Wings, he called them. I don't know what they did, but it's not on the shelf. How do I get those? Oh, just just hope you find one for a, a measly $70 on eBay. Yeah, that I paid $15 for when they came out. Yeah. Right. Although after they said what they said later down the line, we'll get to. I'm really wishing I'd held on to them because, well, anyway, we'll get to. We'll you get can, to that. You can buy. You can buy them back when they come back out. Yeah. Yeah. For a lot exactly. less than seventy dollars. Yeah. For yeah. for the you know three or four percent increase price that they're going to do, you know, that everybody was complaining about. All right. So the last thing that they mentioned, which genuinely said, all right, so they've either got a line directly into my house or they are absolutely watching every episode of the show religiously. More scenarios other than the 200 point dogfight, everyone shoots each other until the end of the game. I have preached this year in and year out. Mm-hmm. 200 point dogfights are fun. They're great, but I would love to see more scenarios, objectives, different deployments. Just something other than I line up range one, you line up range one, six rocks in the middle, go. It's the same game every single time. Variety is the spice of life. Having different deployments, having different objectives, other ways other than just that. And I talked about this. I know I keep drawing the 40K parallel, but 40K has six different missions that you can go through. All of them have different deployments, different objectives, different ways to play the game. All with the same list the whole way through an event. I, th- I think this is a fantastic idea. I think they should absolutely move forward with it. The sideboard, mate. The sideboard makes that a more solvable problem to me. Exactly. One of the I, things exactly. I not liked was the potential to just auto lose certain scenarios. Given up, like again, all you do by adding scenarios is you move the goalposts for what's good. Yeah. You don't fi- you don't rebalance the game. You just make something else more broken for different reasons. So I've never been really pro or against scenarios because I I see the matrix and I know that it doesn't actually. Fit. You'll get two weeks where I was like, oh yeah, it's such an open, awesome place to build lists now. Everything's a met. No, it's not. Trust me, I still remember being told that I was a moron because in my Howling Banshee-themed army, I wanted to run Howling Banshees when mathematically a striking scorpion will kill 0.5 more space marines in a round. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay, I remember... so what you're saying is I should buy Howling Banshees, paint them as Howling Banshees, tell my opponent that they're striking scorpions. Nah, mate, you're okay. Yeah. How about you suck a dick and we'll, like... Maybe my opponent won't have Space Marines. Maybe he'll have Striking Scorpions, in which case my Howling Banshees fucking wreck those, don't they? I think think this would do two things to the game. I think that the high-level players that are dogfight-only players won't show up for those events because they're going to be not how they play the game, and you might bring in new players who like things like objective-based games and who aren't going to understand totally right off the bat, at least the min-max. And then you rotate your, you know, do do what they did in Dragon Wing for their OP is rotate out what the objectives are, the types of object, objectives yeah, and things like that. And, oh, oh my gosh, you know what you can actually do in X-Wing that, that uh, nobody has ever done since I've seen in this game being played? Is actually use the pegs for how they're supposed to be. 
And you can have 3D objectives where you have to be level three, yes. where you have to be at a third level. So you have to declare that you're going up and going down. You could throw those into the game, too, and make it so that it's a 3D chess game along with an X-Wing game. I 100% agree. 100% yeah, agree. There's a bunch of cool stuff. And, um, yeah. Did you want to touch on the... Um, Competitive quick um, yeah, I'm getting yep. stuff, and then so some of the other stuff that they did announce, of course, uh, real quick were some of the other uh, competitive quick build events, uh, similar to the store kit that they've got going out there, where you already have a, a ship with cards, quote unquote, stapled to it. Pre-build, yeah. Uh, you'd have a bunch of pre-build quick events in a competitive setting. I, I like that idea too. Um, and then of course they have these battle packs. It was the uh, you know battle for Yavin and battle for Coruscant, where these would be narrative competitive events. Um, basically allowing you to be able to recreate some of the cool scenes from uh, your favorite Star Wars movies. The trench run would obviously... With the, with the, with the characters. With the actual characters. With different cards. Like, with, for those characters. With different point costs, more importantly. Yeah, that, that was right. the other so, thing. You know when you want Luke, Wedge, and Biggs all with protons and they just don't fit? Mm-hmm. Maybe. 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 If I'm not going to let you have any options and you have to just run Luke, Wedge, and Biggs, maybe I just make them fit. Because that sounds fun, right? Yeah, because it sounds yeah. like fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then stuff them on cards for me pre-built. Yeah, Luke gets R2, Wedge gets whatever droid you want to give Wedge. Biggs is dead, mm. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, and lastly, the thing that they mentioned that I thought was interesting, which they consider to be the gold standard of any miniatures game, is yes. campaign points. Uh, the, campaign this points. was. Sorry, say that again. Um, I, I, oh, the the oh, gold the, standard of any miniatures game is campaign It was. Yeah. Fiesta did resistance of the stream, you know, just that. Oh, I thought I was full. And the waiter came over and he says, but sir, the, the mint is waffer thin. And I was like, oh, a waffer <laughs> thin mint? Oh, I, oh, I don't know. I'll try and squeeze it in, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody duck and cover, but... <laughs> I, I tried to quote him verbatim. I hope I did, but it, it was... I believe that was his quote, was the gold standard of any miniatures game is campaign play. I happen to 100% agree with this statement. So they will be having things coming from. Um, uh, this is also something that FFG didn't really support very well. Like they well, they did in our they did it in our in Armada. In Armada, yes, I'm talking specifically in X-wing. Yeah, you had the Atari cluster, but that was uh, man-made. That was, yeah, that, yeah was that, that was yeah, so fan-made, I, not man-made. I am one hundred percent on board with that one as well, and that's the other one. I think they talked about having different point values as well. Uh, right. Well, that's the one they talked about. Okay, you start off with like a, a pilot, and then they gain ability. Maybe they the take ability, a- or or they or if they're wounded, they're out for a scenario, and that would be awesome. That yeah. that would be, you know, it's role playing an X wing now. Yeah, I, in I, a I, sense, in a sense, fantastic, absolutely yep. fantastic. And you know, just a little you know salt on the way out the door. Um, any uh, ships from 1.0 that have been un uh, have not made the transition over to 2.0. That is a long term transition project, and then he pieced out. Yep. So those of you that are hoping 
for those 1.0 ships that have not made the full transition over to 2.0, that seems like it is a long way off in the future. But it potentially is coming. It's potentially coming. He did not shut the idea down. Absolutely not. Uh, but he mm. did say, though, that it is absolutely a long-term project. And when you that, think that, about that, it, that, that that's realistic because they've already mentioned that they're going to do that in Armada. So the out-of-print ships are the ships that are very hard to get. They're going to reprint. They've already talked about that mm-hmm. with Armada because right now they don't have Armada product down the pipe. So that tells me that Fantasy Flight hit their end point, and now these guys are trying to group to figure it out. Right, I agree. Not not only that, though, what's cool about it is is that all those ships can then be printed in 2.0, and you could go to Chris's and yours and my comments for over the past couple of years is only allow ships that are in black boxes. Thank you. Yeah, I would love that so much. I, It'd I, make, I, it, it would make the game easier. Well, and again, we go back to the same... St- you and I, Sean, go back to the exact same camp, and we always stand on the same hill and say, if I'm a new player and I just started playing X-Wing today, how do I buy that ship? You can't. Right. You can't. You can buy you the cards, the- you can buy all the... But the actual physical model, can't buy it. Can't buy it right. on the ship. Go to eBay, go find it there. Pay $80 for it, $100, $120, whatever some of those are going for. For a there. $15 piece of plastic. A $15 piece of plastic. And you're probably not getting half the stuff with it anyway. You're probably just getting the model at that point. Right, exactly. One of the things that I've always, always applauded X-Wing for is the barrier entry for a new player is really super low when it comes to comparison to other miniatures games. Legitimately, you buy one X-Wing, you get all these potential pilots, all you have to do is literally swap out a piece of cardboard and it's Luke Skywalker or it's Biggs or it's Wedge. It's the same model, but it's just a different pilot with a different card. That's one of the things I've always applauded X-Wing for is the financial barrier for entry for new players has been very, very low until second edition came out. And the further and further second edition got along and harder and harder ships came to play. It, I, it took a while. It genuinely did. I know why FFG did what they did to appease us first edition players who had a whole stock load of ships that they couldn't play at the second edition. So they appeased them with those um, conversion kits. And I have gone further and further into Chris's camp on this one. That was a bad idea. Yeah. I'm wondering. So, so I, long, I have a wonder. Loss. I have a, I have a speculation. Are we going to see? And this is just to throw out in the void. But are we going to see a AMG starter box? Um, not an FFG starter box, but an AMG starter box. And you could use the Mandalorian as the primer, or you could use no, not not like that. I don't think. I I think that I. I don't believe we'll ever have a situation like we had with a Force Awakens and original trilogy starter. I think there'll only ever be one starter. I think there's scope for a new starter box, but I think it'll be once this one's sold out. Yeah. And I think that window, honestly, Sean, I think that window closed when they started selling all the components separately, which is something that I begged for for years. But I I would argue the opposite way. I would say that... Yeah, so would I. I think there'd be value in it. Like you can sell the starter box purely as a way to start the game, not the only way to get these components. So it becomes its own product, which means you can rotate it around. So if you think about Games Workshop now, how many versus boxes they do as a way to just market new armies and new models and stuff. Yeah, no, right. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was the other direction they could have gone: is separatist versus you know republic. 
You could do. You know, What's I'm saying? That, that's actually where I was getting at is having that where you have a separatist box or a because they kind of do it already anyway. I mean, they have those boxes with yeah, three ships in them. They do, don't they? You know, they're they're already doing it. Just make it so that it's the starter kit instead of some type of fancy. You know, for those that have everything, we're probably going to throw the rocks in a box and never look at them again. And the range rulers, and maybe add the dice to all of our, you know, 10,000 dice that each of us have. Yep. But you could do it that way where you're giving, you're giving boosts to every faction now, you know, yeah, where you could do just like games workshop did, which is yep. they were start collecting boxes. Now they're combat patrols, but everything yep. in a box to start one faction. Exactly. You get one of this ship, two of this ship, one of that ship, all the cards, dials, range rulers, dice, everything you need. It's all in that one box. You just pick that off the shelf. Your friend picks up another one. Boom. You're both playing. Exactly. Done. And you're playing your favorite faction. Right. You you're you're not. You sit out. You, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're not forced to play rebels and imperials. That's the only one thing that I only ever really bothered me about the starter sets for FFG. I know why they did it. I understand why they did it, but you only ever got three ships. So it wasn't even a real full. It was a small abbreviated game. Right. And once one ship died, the game was over kind of thing. You yep. can do something where there's three or four ships and you're actually playing a full game. That you can right. put a full 200 point uh, list on the table right out of the box. And, and, they, and there are there, there are already doing it. You know, you just up the price point for the cardboard and yep, and you're done. So the only thing I don't like about a theoretical push towards squadron starter boxes, so like single faction starter boxes, is that the scum one's terrible to build using just those. I've been well, so, them... I've been I've been trying to write an article for how to start scum and villainy, and I really wanted to recommend that uh, that. Scum Squadron box, and I just can't. I cannot make a decent all-round beginner list out of two um, that uses a hawk with only those pilots. Remember, I can't recommend anything out of a conversion kit. So mm-hmm. only the pilots that come in there, and I'm, it's so difficult. Every other box, we'll see with the first order one, but every other box. I feel like you can make something that's a decent, like, it's not going to be 200 points, but it's a decent chunk of your list. Yeah. Well, here, here's how I throw it out. I'm going to th- throw this method out to do this in a way that works, is that you can put all the pilot cards in, all the upgrade cards, great, but then put the pre-mades in. So that for all the ships, you have a pre-made for each ship and make it, they talk about balance throughout that, you know, a lot of their, their talk is balance. And getting the game back into balance, you just balance those things out. So, if you have to throw a slave one in, and you know, whatever pirates or whatever, make it so it's something like that. But make the pre-build so that when people start out, because I'm not talking about competitive, I'm talking about new players starting out. Give them the tools to start play, learn the game, and then they can maybe run across a podcast or across our local game store, you know, hopefully we get into a post-COVID environment and, you know, you see people playing X-Wing on a table and now I want to sit down and play a game, you know, and I have a little bit of enough of a ships, you know. That's just kind of how you do it. You draw the Magic the Gathering comparison. This is the the Planeswalker deck kind of thing. Deck, right. It's either or or the starter deck that they come out with now. I can pull it off the shelf. Open and and be semi playable, semi competitive. Yeah. Exactly. You know, am I yeah. gonna win a tournament with that? With what comes in that box? No, 
Am no. I going to know how to play the game and have a variety that I can tweak it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you say, oh, yeah, I really like that ship. I'm going to get a second one. You know, Right, exactly. That's the whole idea. Like, ooh, this is really good. But if I go out and get this ship and add to this, and that's how it's a marketing thing as well. Yep. You give them a little bit of taste of what's good. And then a couple of other things like, oh, well, you can swap that out for this ship over here. And that's only $15. Go get that. Oh, I guess, I guess uh, AMD did their little price increase, by the way. <laughs> I saw I saw that at the local game store. Like, all the new stickers are on there. Like, oh, yeah, they bumped up their prices. I'm going to say this, and this is my last statement to everything that they talked about today. I'm impressed. Yes. Now, from my, now po- from, from my point of view, from my point of view and everything that I have preached since day one with X-Wing, I am extremely impressed because they're they're listening to people like me who – you have to you have to remove the barriers to entry to be able to get make this game because the guy talked about he wants to see this game be viable when he retires. The only way that you can do it is to remove the barriers to entry. I will I will go on to say like what I wanted to hear I obviously didn't hear because what I wanted to hear is I wanted to hear more from the OP side what the plans were going to be were they going to do store kits how they were going to handle. You know, store level, regional level, war, uh, national. We did, we got none of that. Do you want me to tell you a dirty little secret Ed, that I would really, really love? And I, I've, I'm, I'm interrupting you on purpose because I think your response to this will tell a story on its own. But we're gonna, we're gonna go to your favorite topic. We're gonna talk some Warhammer. You know? Yeah. All right. Um, I was like, I played Games Workshop games since 1994. Yeah. Way before I did. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I feel like that's a wide range of experience from GW stuff. The vast, vast majority of that, until the release of Warhammer Underworlds, I would say, Games Workshop has never once made a competitive game. They hosted um, a Throne of Schools style event, which had its own rules pack, that was well attended. It's at Warhammer World. It didn't move around. It's in the same way as like an FFG Worlds kind of event. Mm-hmm. But like, you go and you play in it, but that wasn't the gold standard for a tournament. That wasn't how like, events were run. The community came up with its own rules pack. Like I've played in events where the community had... Um, if you were playing Tomb Kings, you got an extra 200 points. So you, your list was 2,200 points against the High Elves, 1,800 points, for example. Like, they've done ban lists, like, different communities will do different things, and you just read the rules pack, and they've thrived. Like, Games Workshop's more healthy now than it's ever been. Yeah. For like, this requirement to have FFG hold your hand and say, well, you know, you, you've got that timer with 75 minutes, it's got to start now. Oh no! Oh, oh, you missed it. Your event's not no prizes for you. Sorry. Like we've already seen, like, how much prize support from FFG, AMG, Asmodee, whatever has been in the last eighteen months? I couldn't tell you. Like, zero, none. Yeah. Like exactly what we asked for happened. The community stepped up and has run awesome events with awesome prize support. Even before then. Like, I chose to travel to Crate Cup to do that rather than travel to a system open. Mm-hmm. And there was zero official prize support at Crate Cup. And I, it's, it doesn't need, 
you don't need effort. So I I use this quote like from myself when Apocalypse came out. I was in the Games Workshop store yes. and they released the Apocalypse rule set, which was a rule set that lets you play with all of your models, no matter what faction you were, and to play giant battles. And I was friends with the store manager. It's like, Chris, are you buying Apocalypse? I'm like, no, Dave, I'm not going to buy Apocalypse. Why are you a more Like, don't talk. What? I, I, the store was empty. I wouldn't go in the store and talk crap about the product in front of other people. But, like, like why would I need that? But if I want to play with all my toys, I'll put all of my toys on the table and we'll play a game. We've done it in the past, Dave. Physically, me and you have played games doing what we wanted. I don't need yeah. Jarvis Johnson to hold my hand and tell me it's okay. Yep. In the same yeah. vein, I don't need AMG to tell me, oh man, 12 rounds is going to make it really hard to run an event. Maybe I should just run a 75-minute timer. Right. I'm running an event yep. on Sunday. You know what I just did? I typed out a post saying, you know what? We're going to use random first player order and you're going to score, score your deficit to your opponent when we start. I don't know how it's going to work. Like when AMG tells me how it works, if I do it differently, I don't care. It's my event; I can do what I want. Right. You can't, literally, you can't stop me. I would love to see you try, mainly <laughs> because you won't have heard this episode until after it's happened. So I won. <laughs> well, I, I take the Gary Gygax view on events and creating anything, and do it to flip you want. You know, yeah. I mean, my whole league for the first three or four seasons we ran it was just crap that I made up or the, the Chris Brown, not a different Chris Brown, but the Chris Brown who was helping me, you know, run the locally run it, he would come up with some insane rule for the second event that we did in the night. And we had fun. You know, we had we had a 16 player eight versus eight uh you brought everybody brought a list, you set it up, and then you rotated left. And then every round you rotated left. So you only saw your table that you set up with your list and your strategy once every eight turns. And as a group, you had two weeks to set up your strategies, your lists, and everything else. And if one player did something wrong on every single table, it wrecked everything, which happened, of course. Of course. But it wrecked everything, you know, and it was probably the most exciting event I ever ran because these were people who were challenged, you know, because they were playing things that they weren't used to playing. It was awesome. Best night of X-Wing ever. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so it's, oh, go ahead, just, just to finish the, the point, I think we're all grandstanding on. Like, what, how did, where did you find a rule pack for Outrider Cuphead? How did they tell you to mix in, like, um, epic play of a normal tournament? That was uh, Ryan Fleming and the Pittsburgh group that came up with that rule set along with the... Did, did they get it? Was it FFG approved? Did they write in and ask, ask permission from LFL and Disney before you went and had fun? No? Not like, at all. How did I run like quick build events? Um, I just made it up. Just do it. It sounds fun. You know what? Sometimes it'll be a hit. Sometimes it'll be a miss. But the communities will grow and you learn from your mistakes and you make a better event next time. Exactly. Well, it was fun. Who cares? Yeah. Just... If you think something's going to be fun and enjoyable, it will be. You'll you'll yep. find a way to enjoy it. If you think it's going to be horrible and ruin the game, right? You've probably already lost. So that, that's right. that's it for me. So to finish the point that I was trying to state in the beginning, while I went in hoping to hear one thing, 
what I got was everything else that I ever wanted in this game spoken of in an official capacity for helping to game balance competitive play and focus on new players and bringing new people into the game. So I am astonished as to how well they did. Yes, I've talked about, oh, I I need to know what they're going to be doing for competitive play. There isn't any. There's nothing to say right now because right now we're in an environment where that's not even possible. So they are focusing in other directions. How do we fix this game? How do we balance this game? Other than point, how do we do it? And I think that they did an outstanding job, and I'm really looking forward to see where the future of this game goes. And I think that's a good place to end, right there on that point. So I am going to thank my good friends for joining me once again. Sean, always good talking to you, my friend. Yeah, it was good to be here. Very fun conversation. Yes, yes. Chris, always good talking to you, my friend. Always good to be here, Ed. I'm sure you have some closing paperwork you'd like to do. Yep, so um, this episode should come out early because we wanted to take advantage of the fact we recorded on the same day. So provided once we finish recording, it did actually record, I'll be editing it right away. So this it'll is go on Patreon. Yeah, it'll be on Patreon tonight. It'll be live on Friday. Um, and then everything should be good. And hopefully that makes up for us... Um, getting screwed over and missing all of the other episode and all of like we missed the first show pro like in three years where I didn't even have time to put out me rambling in a solo episode or a D and D short or something. But like life happens. It, it's happened now, so there's no point worrying about it. it. I can no longer say we've never missed an episode, but you know, we're still going stronger eighty five. This is also this also reinforces my point that I know that AMG has been listening to our show because they even knew our recording show schedule. Because how many (laughs) times our good old dear friends over at FFG release information the day after we recorded a podcast, and then stuff that we said that day before got completely washed away by something that they released the next day. Can't tell you how many times that that happened. That was so frustrating. Um. I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen for the next show because it will be due when I'm in the UK. So we'll either try and record ahead of schedule and get something in the pipe ready to go, or I'm more of a mind to try and stay up late and do a recording from the UK, but that will be like laptop with dodgy equipment kind of thing. So mine, I can't guarantee anything. So if there is a break... That is why we've not yeah. gone anywhere, but I have. But on vacation. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to be relaxing on vacation. I'm not supposed to be relaxing on vacation at all. Oh, I mean, if I was going on vacation, I would have gone to like Mexico. Like, mm. No one goes to Wigan on vacation, Ed. <laughs> it's I not would. a tourist hotspot. But yeah, anyway, enough about me whining about having to go and see family when I could go to a beach somewhere and sunbathe. I mean, Greenpeace protesters would probably be around uh, if that happened, me sunbathing, but you know, hey ho. Um, All right, are you done with your paper- paperwork? I don't think so. No, no. Uh, so if you would like to support the show on Patreon, I thank you. I didn't charge a Patreon for the last show that we did put out because it was late and. As much fun as it was, it wasn't a real show. Hopefully people enjoyed it. Uh, I still need to upload it to a Patreon to not charge, but um, it will be there eventually if that's where you normally listen to it. But you can follow us at 
Dice Hate on Patreon or Lack of Focus Podcast on Patreon. One of them's a flat monthly fee, the other one's per episode. So if you don't want to get screwed over by us missing shows, you go with the Lack of Focus Podcast one because that only charges per show. Please make sure you're not like, overpaying, stuff like that. We've, it's been a while since I've explained again how it works, but like, there's no multiple reward levels. Everyone gets the same, so support us with whatever you're able to. Make sure you're looking at your, after yourselves and your family in these harder times. And, um, yeah, we'll get evade tokens, I think we decided we're going to do next, but that'll be the next tokens yeah, that, is, that, come out. that is correct. Although I still have a strong push for more target line. That's just me. Because I love target I, You line. got one to five, didn't you? I did, I did. Yeah. Now I want so to the do. problem with doing more target locks is they'd be new. They'd be different. Uh, but that's Because okay. I don't have the files and I don't use the same person because he, those target locks cost me like $350, which is more than we made from a Patreon in like a year and a half. <laughs> and then I had to ship them. So, yeah, we're not doing that again. No. Uh, I'll do tag locks again, uh, but I want to fill out the line first. Yeah, I understand. Um, so you can email us if you have any questions at lackoffocuspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Lack of, Lack of Focus Podcast on Facebook. Make sure you click on the link in the show notes uh, for the, um, the link to a Discord where we posted all our pretty pictures. Theoretically, the YouTube video, which probably will only come out on Tuesday, will have all of the um, edits done for all of the cards that we talk about will all flash up on the screen and stuff once I can get good images for those. Uh, but yeah, it's my been... screenshots for my, my TV aren't good enough for you. I see how it is. <laughs> oh, look, man. Look, look buddy. Uh, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I actually, for a change, I'm going to try something that I probably should do more often, but we're actually going to do clips. Um, and I'm saying it now, so it means I have to do it unless I remember to edit this bit out. But we're actually, I'm going to break it up into segments. So it'll be lack of focus talks about um, point deficit. So uh, you'll, there'll be more content. See how much hassle that is, like being a real editor as well. Uh, so we'll see. Um yeah, that's about it. So you can watch the VOD on YouTube at Dice Hate on YouTube. And uh, yeah, that's it, I think. Um, I'm sure I missed something, but whatever. Come on the Discord. Oh, your Alien game. People should come on the Discord. I was just going to mention, because I didn't even get a chance to talk about that in my... Uh, my and this is the end of the show, so fo- folks may have been tuned out. But for those who are still are, um, because the uh, D&D group is going on a brief hiatus for a couple of months, uh, and we're going to wait until Chris gets back from the UK, but we are finally going to get Ed's Alien RPG. I can't wait. Um, we are going to, uh, we're kind of nixing the idea of doing it on Roll20 because it really is more of a narrative game than it is a, you know, I need to move these three squares and what actions am I triggering when that happens? It's more of a narrative storytelling. So we're literally going to do it in the honor system with dice in front of you and just do it directly over Discord. So we'll be doing that shortly. I am making some modifications to this specific scenario that we're going to be running for Chariots of the God, but oh boy, I am, I'm ready. I've already posted stuff in the Discord. So I do know for a fact that we have, if Chris is going to play, and I know I talked to Chad Percy, said he's going to play. There are still two spots open uh, at the time of this recording. So if you are interested in joining us for some horrifying alien space horror, uh, by all means, drop in. Uh, we'll be recording, I believe, on 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're interested, drop it in. We still have spots available. Yeah. 
And that's it. That's all I've got. And never have these words meant more than they do right now for this particular show. As always, guys, fly casual. Thank you once again for joining the Lack of Focus X-Wing podcast. Check out Dice Hate Productions for all the latest episodes, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next episode.